So today's the day, finally doing the uh, flagrant podcast. Pretty excited about, what are you guys doing? Casey! Hey, Casey. Hey, buddy, we're trying to vlog. Can What's up, man? Down? Yeah. Where'd you get my jacket from? Oh, dude, I got this great uh, feet pick website. Is that where you got it? <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Flagrant. Today, we are joined by um, one of the most prolific creators, I would say, in history. Mm -hmm. And one of the worst drivers I would also say in history, we have Casey Nesbitt. Hey, what's up, Casey? Okay, uh, now Casey, I, I called your brother last night, Dean, mm. and I was like, hey, Dean, uh, do you have any like funny stories about Casey that we yeah, could bring fuck. up, blah, blah, blah? No, no, first of all, the worst person to call, your military, He's very, the kid's a square. I mean, but, he wouldn't give me anything. You know, he has top secret clearance within the U.S. military. I realized the kid that can keep a secret. on the call. I was yeah, like, what's, what's a wild thing that happened? He goes, we went to Prague once, we got drunk, we slept outside. That's all I can tell you. I was like, okay. And then he goes, I can tell you this. He says, Casey has crashed every single car he's ever had. It's true. Is that true? Absolutely true. And then he tells me this really sad story. He goes, I remember once, before I even had my license, my parents bought me a Hyundai Elantra. He goes, they put a red bow on it and everything. That's awesome. He goes, it's an 87. It, it, he goes, and Casey crashed his car. So what did my parents do? They gave him my red boat Hyundai no. Elantra. Oh. And what did Casey do with that? Totaled it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totaled it. He totaled it? Yeah, not, that was the worst accident I think I've ever had. Oh. How did that happen? <laughs> I was on the freeway with our, with our older brother, Van. Yeah. And I don't know, like, Something, you know, you're like 16, you're not paying attention. By the way, that is the least safe car that's ever been made. Oh, it's the car, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the car in front of me jammed on the brake. Something happened, we smashed into it, spun around in the freeway. I just remember looking up and there was a tractor trailer truck coming straight towards me. Holy shit. And on the freeway, I threw it in reverse and just hit the gas like that. So we're going backwards on the freeway going like, you know, 55. And then I cut the wheel and we just spun and hit a guardrail and zoomed backwards. That's when we finally came to a stop and like windshield smashed in, doors are smashed, glass everywhere. I turned to my brother Van and I was like, what were we just talking about? And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> like no, Don't you I hate that? that? Yeah. When you get interrupted in a combo by a head on I, We had, we had right no here. money. Like, we couldn't afford to dispose of the car. So the flatbed just dropped it off, like, in the apartment complex where we lived. And it just sat there. Like wow. this destroyed wrecked vehicle just until parked. we moved, yeah. We they just, brought you your absolutely destroyed car. Because they were going to charge us to keep it. Yeah, I remember that vivid. Oh, I remember when we went surfing. <laughs> This is this is before that I've ever I've ever met you, right? Yeah. Obviously, very familiar with you know everything you've done to change the way that people make uh, content. But uh, I go, I'm curious what this guy's going to be. Is he going to be like a version of the guy I've seen in the? I would argue that in the vlogs, it's a tamed down version yeah. of the chaos that ensues when you're creating something. Yeah, I gotta I, I gotta edit out. I gotta well, diffuse the. I can't scare off the audience. It was, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you stopped. You were like, Schultz, what's up? Let's go upstairs, go upstairs, calm down. Surfboards, wetsuits, come downstairs. I look at the car. There's scratches on both sides of the car, <laughs> right? Like, it looked like something the Taliban drives, right? Like, it, it looked like it'd been, yeah, <laughs> it's dude, just in the desert. it was not, with they the had red a guy in it with the fucking rocket launcher and everything, it was ready to go. And, um, and literally, and, and I remember us driving, as you're driving, you're vlogging, you're giving Miles instructions to vlog. 
you're pointing at things. I don't think you look straight out the window the entire time. You know, I drive, I can afford safer cars now, so it has like a thing. If you're about to hit someone, it stops it for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, it gives you a lot of latitude. What about just a driver? What about yeah, someone that just has someone stops? drive? Yeah, someone that stops for you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so, not vlog while you're driving. <laughs> no, that that not, she's not gonna not do that, oh. but you could that, not drive. That car is a brand new, it's like a 2022 or 2023 Land Rover. And it has like, you know, doesn't have many miles on it or whatever. So. It's a Land Rover what? Defender. It's been defended. It's been defended. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, it's, it had to go to Land Rover of Manhattan on a flatbed because it wouldn't start. <laughs> and after theme. they worked on it for like a week, they're like, this is the most fucked up <laughs> Defender we've seen. In the, this car's only been out for a year. We have not vehicles. seen one this fucked up. <laughs> Um, I got it back the other day that still runs. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, up. that's that's impressive for a 2022 hundred thousand dollar car. It's got four thousand miles on it. Still runs. It's amazing. <laughs> no, terrible driver. Dude, uh, I'm stoked that you're here, and um, I, I've been obviously brushing up on a lot of your content. Right? You guys have like fucking fancy wristwatches. Yeah. Uh, There's like gold. Nothing no, to no, see. No, no, no. I'm looking at. Yeah. No, no, that's the base model Apple Watch. What do you mean? What is this? Is he it knows a Casio? It's a base model, dude. This, this watch is $17. But Ooh, so it's, I, I got you beat on that. It's got a 10 year battery. Ooh. It's got a, a light. Ooh. He's got a real problem with no Apple light. battery life. No light. <laughs> no light. Damn. No light. No light. No light. It's just light intimidating. So we have light. Okay, cool. Yeah. You feel intimidated by the fancy watches? Yeah. I didn't think I there was small. I didn't think there was anything that would intimidate Casey Neistat. Now you know. Mm. Now you know. Anyway, you were saying awesome stuff about me. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we, you know more things about you just so we can fluff it. I, I remember watching uh, the this this vlog that you put out where you asked ChatGPT to uh, curate the dialogue. Do you know that like a bunch? Yeah. So what the video was is I wrote to Chat G, or GPT for the latest, which you have to pay like. Nine dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. get your credits you get up, you. dude. It's like, like a blue check you. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nine dollars a month for God. How dare they? <laughs> I know. How dare they? And I, the product was like God. write a Casey Neistat vlog, and then I just made that vlog exactly as it said to make it. Yeah. And it was like funny, and it was meant to be funny and silly because it was so basic. When yeah. it's like the script was just really silly, but like the AI folks, like the yeah. real hardcore AI people on Twitter, were like super fucking angry at me. Why? Why? Because they're like, had you worked harder? Had you trained that AI? Yeah. Had you put real effort into this? You could have really shown what its true potential is. And it could have better mimicked your creativity. And I was like, that's not the fucking point, you <laughs> fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. Everyone's yeah. an idiot like me. I don't know how to use this thing. It's brand new. Right. It's been out for like a month. Like you give it a basic prompt, then what it gives you back, like that was the interestingness for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was not how good you could make it, but it was like at first glance, like remember Google like 2001, where it was just like, it was amazing. Yeah. And yeah. this was kind of amazing. I thought but it was like incredible. It was, yeah, it was meant to be playful. There were two like, things oh. in it that I thought were brilliant. Yeah. One was uh, you saying afterwards the importance of soul. Yeah. And like heart in content. And mm. that's the thing that we connect to. And the fact is that AI, it, it, can't even really mimic that yet. And you were like, maybe if I gave it more prompts, it could mimic like heart and soul and like passion. And, but that's kind of what separates a great piece of work. But the other thing that I liked is it looked at every single one of your vlogs, right? And one of the things that I've always loved about your content is there's not bitterness in it. You're not fucking bitter. When you're angry about something, you make fun of it. Yeah. When you're angry about the bike ticket, <laughs> you don't go, 
fuck the police. This is why this city's falling apart. And the, the, which is like the easiest, lowest form of content is just to be like, this sucks. Everybody sucks. I know how the world works. You all suck. Everybody should work to me. Instead, you just prove how absurd it is to give somebody a bike ticket when they're not in the bike lane. That might be your most impressive vlog because the amount of times you fell off the bike. And oh, dude, that should look you? painful. How so. old were you at that? I was not a young man. Yeah, I was like, the idea of falling 30s. off anything right now, I'm like, I might not ever get up. Yeah, no, that, that might be it. You're that, just throwing yourself that, off a bicycle that on the concrete. video, I knew when we were shooting that, it was like how committed the falls were was going to sell that video. No helmet yeah. was crazy, also. Because you, you know you're you falling. gotta fucking take it on the chin, man. I was trying to make <laughs> a great video. Yeah. But yeah. look, I, I think that there's like, it's not interesting watching people bitch or complain or be mad. Yeah. Like, it's not. It's not fun. Yep. But everybody's mad and frustrated about everything all the time. So if you can sort of tap into that. Yep. Like the first video I ever, ever made that yeah. was seen, yeah. the, the iPod. iPod yeah. The iPod. Same one. thing. Yeah. My brother Van and I made this in 2003. It was three years before YouTube was a thing. And my iPad, I was fucking broke. I had no money to my name. This yeah. thing was, it was $399. It was a gift. Yeah, and the battery died a year later. And I called Apple and they're like, nah, just buy a new one. So I called them back and I recorded the call yeah. where they're like, just buy a new one. And I was like, okay. And I was like, fuck, that's great audio. <laughs> and then they had those posters where it's like the black silhouette or the white silhouette where you'd see the cord and it was like, call. and we put like cigarette disclaimers on every poster with a spray paint stencil that yeah. said iPads. Um, iPod, yeah. iPod's irreplaceable battery lasts only 18 months. And we put it on a splash page. Like a, we made it iPod30secret.com because there's no YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it went so viral so quickly. Yeah. And by the way, in 2003, viral means you copy the, the URL, you put it in an email, you type in yeah, friends' yeah. names, you click send. There's no, no YouTube. Yeah. There is no YouTube. There's no Twitter. There's yeah. no Instagram. Yeah. And like it was so blew up so quickly that the head of the hosting company called my cell phone. And he's like, I want you to know we have not pulled your site yet. But your like monthly allowance is ten gigabytes of bandwidth, and right now you're at like four terabytes. Oh wow! Because so many people have gone to yes. the site, especially in 2003. Yeah, bro. so I like yeah. posted yeah. on the site. I was like, we need help hosting this, and I think it was like maybe a, a couple universities were like, we'll put it on our university um, servers. You're good, and then it was like slowing them down, and wow. it just kept. Like we could not find a place to sustain it. And then, this is such a fun story. And then we figured at the time, like now you've got iCloud, but back then you had something that was called iDisc. And you could have like an Apple hosted website to share like baby videos and stuff. Hilarious. There was no bandwidth limitations. Hmm. So Apple hosted the video in the end. <laughs> <They're> all, <laughs> yeah. It was like $13 a month or something. Oh, that's hilarious. About it, yeah. That's great. And then they changed the policy. They did. But if it was just a video of me bitching, I don't think anybody would have cared. It was fun. And it yeah. was funny. Yeah. And the, and the style in which you did it, it carried through. Like, did you? I'm curious your process in creating that. Did you know what you were doing with the stencil and all the... Yeah, I mean, that video, that one in particular, like, much credit to my brother Van. Like, everything I have ever known or learned or done that's creative is, like, all credit goes to my older brother Van. Like, he taught me everything I know. I'm just, a, like, a very mediocre photocopy of his, like, truly virtuous creative brilliance. Mm -hmm. And like that video in particular, like that video was mostly his idea. Hmm. Like I edited it and I put the like easy E track under it and like did all of that. But like the idea of like, let's cut out a stencil. Like the stencil scene, those are his hands, not even ah. my hands. Yeah. Like all credit to Van Neistat. 
Yeah. Like total fucking genius. Such a unique way to tell a story even now. And this is, well, y'all are, you're 22. I don't know how old Van is, but that's 20 years ago, literally. It's wild, and right? And that style was, even now you're like, that's a great, that's unique. You know, the 20 year ago thing. So like I had the daily vlog started in 2015, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was cognizant of this when I was making it, but it's like, I'm, I have a daily record of my life. It's like pretty well produced. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Of my whole life. Yeah. And I was like, someday I'm going to look back at this Yeah. and it's going to be interesting, but I've always been so close to it. Then last week when Elon's rocket fucking exploded or whatever, mm. my buddy texted me. He's like, we got to go see it next time. Have you ever seen a, a, like a rocket? Have you guys ever seen a fucking no, rocket? Yeah. Person, yeah. You have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Florida. So we're okay. right near Life changing. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like yeah, when you look at it, there's a fucking human in there. Yeah. And I went for the last space shuttle blast off ever. It was like a dream of mine. I grabbed my girlfriend. We drove down there in like a Winnebago. And we watched it in 2013. Yeah. And I made a movie. It was like the trip where I fell in love with her. Mm. And like, we're like married now with a bunch of kids and stuff. But I was like playing that back, just trying to find the scene where the rocket blasts off for that moment. And like, I watched the whole like 10 minute movie, like sitting there crying. Cause it's like, we're like dating, we're like young. And I was like, oh shit. That thing where I look back at it mm. and I'm able to see my life in such like such a vivid portrayal, like that's happened. It's like having a wedding video for every single day for yeah, three years. It, instead of it being just like a fucking terrible wedding video. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an interesting Or a reminder thing of the happiest day of your life. You know, one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a video you put out recently that I was watching. I thought it was very good, very, uh, very introspective. And what, what so, something you struggled with, which was the inauthenticity of living through a vlog. Mm, yeah, yeah. And how that kind of pulled at you at the end of those 800 days where you're like, am I ever present or am I always thinking about the video? And one thing that I thought really separated you from the other people who copied you was, well, one story, but we can get to that later. You actually understand story, but- but also authenticity. You are incredibly comfortable talking to a camera. Mm. It feels like you're talking to me, and I do not like doing that shit. I hate it. I I, I don't know. I, I for some reason I don't connect it to. It. I don't know what the fuck it is. But but when do you start to feel yourself almost doing? Is it an impression of yourself? Why do you feel inauthentic? What, what? I don't know. Like the, the vlog, particularly in like uniquely was. It was about my life. So like every day I would just sort of pull interestingness from my life. Mm. And if you start to examine your life from a, like a third person perspective, it's really interesting for a while. Mm. Like the place where you go, and I don't mean I live a particularly interesting life. I just mean like I go to this place and get a smoothie. I know the owner. We say what's up. Yeah. Like I know I've got friends. It's like, it's interesting to get to see some, but like that works for like a couple days. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, all right, all right, all right. Like, the next 797 days, <laughs> you gotta come up with something fresh. And like, yeah. so like that starts to fade and you start to feel it being repetitive and you get insecure. And those sort of like, those very introspective insecurities really start to build over time. Hmm. So then you start to seek interestingness elsewhere. And I think this is like, this is why we've seen the rise and fall of so many YouTubers. It's like, okay, I need to be more interesting. Like, let me rush towards sensationalism. Yeah. Like, you know, it's interesting, a car accident. You know, it's interesting, like anything extreme, yeah. like that's it. So let me rush towards that. I never wanted to do that, ever. Like none of that. I did not want to seek sensationalism. So you just start pulling, you start creating, and all of a sudden, yeah, you start to feel a little bit of 
you're like playing a caricature of yourself. And that was tough. Like confronting that was tough. So instead of living your life and then making content about it, you're like, yo, how can I yeah, live my life in a way that makes interesting content? And that felt inauthentic to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were weird like um, unintended consequences though. I was thinking about this a lot this morning. On my run, particularly this morning, I was so drilled in on this. My wife and I were fighting about something yesterday and this is what I was thinking about. My wife is the most amazing character on camera because she gives zero fucks. <laughs> she does not give a shit. And like a lot of like partners and YouTube vlogs are always like, hey, what are you doing? You know, it's a very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. turned up. And you're like, yeah, I've, yeah. I've met a lot of people, never met a human yeah. that's actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this is an inconvenience to her. Yeah. She doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And no matter what, yeah. she'd say something interesting, but please say it again. She's like, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, I'm going to use that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember vividly, like, I needed her so much for those moments that when we'd get in actual fights, I'd be like, can't afford this fight right now. Mm. I can't afford this <laughs> fight right now. Wow. And that sounds like a little bit evil and awful, but I think there's another side to it, which is like, when you're married, like, you know, like you get into a fight over fucking bullshit. Mm. And if you step away and you're like, you know, if something were to happen, if lightning were to strike tonight, would I give a shit about this, what we're fighting about? Like, yeah. no, this is meaningless. It's stupid. Let's just push, push it aside and love her. Yeah. And like the vlog in its most virtuous take forced me to do that with her. Like mm. I couldn't let the bullshit fester. Mm. Yeah. Which sounds virtuous, but I couldn't let the bullshit fester because I needed her to make my fucking video. Yeah. Mm. But the she outcome was the same. But the outcome was the same. Mm-hmm. And I think about that now because that thing that I was thinking about that we were fighting about in the, like this morning on my run is that I literally like didn't put the dishes in the dishwasher last night. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, if I don't want to fucking put them in the dishwasher, I'm going to put them in the fucking dishwasher. <laughs> who the fuck is she? She can put them in the fucking dishwasher. I'm not, you know who pays for the maid? I pay for the maid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not putting them uh, in the yeah. fucking that dishwasher. That always works. Yeah, I yeah. pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite that. argument. Yeah, bring that and up. If that doesn't but work, why do they love that so much? <laughs> what, is it, what is it about women when you tell them that you provide a ceiling? Yeah. And if that doesn't work, you just, you say, you know what? You're acting like your mother right now. And yeah, that just calms her down. But that just gets my wife so horny. It's funny because- Have you ever just called them crazy? You yeah, and that's a good one. I yeah, gotta use that one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you're on your period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you just say, calm down. Yeah, yeah. calm yeah. down. Calm down. It's calm down. The best yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I don't consider myself like a Casanova, but I know how to speak to women. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. Yeah. I gotta try that too. Yeah, yeah. Calm, you calm down, trouble? you crazy mom like yeah. woman, you. Period. That's a good thing. You can't use the B word. Oh, no, sorry. That's too far. That's crossing a line. You monster. I'm sorry. Unbelievable. I'm talking about women we love. How dare you? Because I have my children. Instead of couple star, that crazy lunatic's the mother. <laughs> she's not a b-word. She is not a b-word. No. The thing is, she's always right. Yes. and I am the problem. Yes. I acknowledge that. Yeah. So instead of couples therapy, just start a vlog, and that will save your marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's like there is genuine truth behind that outrageous. Yeah, but you know, wait, hold on. Did you ever give her bad edits because you were annoying? Like, <laughs> no, honestly, it was the always the other way around. It's like she would always like when I would look back at the footage, I would always realize how fucking wrong I was. And I'm like shit, and I have to like sweeten myself up in the edit. 
because she's always right. Yeah. She's like a very kind, smart, uh, beautiful, loving woman. I'm like a yeah. fucking monster. Yeah. So you're yeah. doing retakes on green screen? Yeah. You're like, I love you, babe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. different outfit, different day, different yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 That's a narration. Yeah. <laughs> always, always. What, I'm curious, what kept you away from sensationalism? If all these other YouTubers are going down that track, was it the detachment from the data or the monetization, or was it just a dedication to the art? Um, you know, it's more just like watching my peers do that and just such fucking disgust. Mm -hmm. And that's not a judgment on everyone. No, 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 but like, I want, like, my little daughter, she's eight now, she's not so little, but like, when she's on YouTube unsupervised, yeah, then we have her fucking iPad, our iPad locked up, but she's yeah. smarter than us. Yeah, mm. you can put all these filters on it and shit. She's figured out all she has to do is sign out of iCloud and all the filters disappear. There's no beating her. Yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> when no one's looking, she's watching these family vlogs. And like, it's the grossest shit you've ever seen. Yeah. And it's like really yeah. yucky, I hate it. And everything's like, wow, what are we gonna do today, guys? And it's like, let's go throw mommy's car in the river. <laughs> and it's like this fucking just lunacy. Yeah. And it was so gross that I had this tremendous insecurity that I'd ever get even close, even near that. Yeah. Because like, make no mistake, like I'm an absolute, like I am a YouTuber, I'm a vlogger, I make videos about myself. Yeah. They're very self-centered, they're very like self-aggrandizing, like it's me talking to a camera with the like presumption that the world gives a shit about what I think. Like, I don't hide from any of that, but there's still a little thread that like I like to think of myself as like a filmmaker or storyteller. Yes. And so it's like a, there I've got that insecurity on one side and that that driving like desire to still maintain some of that filmmaker, you know, integrity on the other. And think, I think it's a needle that sometimes I thread well and other times I don't. Do you yeah. think any of it is an advantage of being older? So because when YouTube huge, came around, huge. Yeah, we grew up in a generation where like you need to be a little self conscious about what the fuck you're putting out there. Kids I, don't have that. Yeah, I, I also think it's like you wanted to make films. Also and I think true. a lot of people want to be famous and they just see YouTube as the way to get fame. Mm. So they're chasing whatever brings them fame and that might be sensationalism, that might be throwing a car in a river, it might be whatever. But the thing that you would probably be most self-critical about wouldn't be a lack of success, it would be being a hack filmmaker. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a video this morning called, um, I'm not sure if I can make it if I talk about it, but I'll talk about it anyways. It's called YouTube Makes Me Sad. And it's because I, I'd like to think, and this could be my naivety speaking, but like I like to think that like the driving desire yeah. to be on YouTube for, for aspiring creators is that they want an outlet for creative expression. Yes. They want to make art and they want to make interesting things. Yes. They want to tell stories. And they want to do all that. And when, when I know that's, that's my sole driving force, why I never look at metrics, yeah. why I never pay attention, why yeah. I didn't monetize my channel. Like I, it's why I never focused on any of that shit. I just wanted to make things that were, I thought was good. Yeah. And now I think the pendulum has swung so far in the other direction. Yeah. Um, where it's just about like monetization. I remember I was at like this YouTube conference thing a year, a year and a half ago. And like the guy who was interviewing me was like, so the first person you should hire when you are, are getting big as an editor, what do you think the second person you should hire is? And I'm like, who the fuck says you should hire an editor? <laughs> I was like, I've never worked with an editor. Yeah. I was like, the editor is where I write the story. The yeah. editor is, and he's like, you know, and the, the, the assumption that he was making yeah. is that like the purpose of this solely is to grow, yeah. mm. not to make something that is mm. about yeah. creativity. And I reject that so, so like wholeheartedly, so handily. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what sort of YouTube culture has become. Yeah. Um, and it's a bummer. 
And I like to think that like back in the vlog days, yeah. you know, six, seven years ago, it was much more about creativity. And now it's much more about metrics numbers, like fucking juking the algorithm, yeah. maximizing retention and 100%. all that. And I don't give a shit about any of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, that's why my brother Van Nystad is my favorite YouTuber. He literally doesn't look at that. Yeah. His wife uploads his videos. He yeah. finishes them and then, and then starts making another one. Yeah. He doesn't even look at his back. He doesn't have access to his back. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He just makes what he creation thinks is Creation for creation's sake. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I think there's, that's the most beautiful thing. Yeah. How long did you go before you decided to monetize? Well, one, I want to be clear here. I fucking regret it, and it was stupid. <laughs> yeah. And if I could go back in time, I would have pushed that button. Oh, okay. yeah. Money's um, good, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. But um, 100 million views before wow. I turned on monetization. And you my, didn't know how to do it. My reason was like, I spoke at a YouTube panel about it when I still had not turned on monetization. And it was like, the reason why is I felt like, one, this was back when not all videos had ads. Mm. And like when a video would have an ad, I'd be like, ugh. And sometimes I'd click away. Yeah. I'd be like, one, I don't want to alienate my audience. And then two, for me, I like I made money as directing TV commercials then. Yeah. Like doing other work. So I wanted to think of YouTube purely as just like an outlet for passion projects. Mm-hmm. And the minute it started making me money, it would stop being that. Mm. I want to be clear. Both of those things were grossly misguided and I fucking regret it and it was a mistake. I should have clicked that fucking button. Yeah, you know how yeah. many dollars, 100 million views is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could have bought another car to fucking crash. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. Like when I started uploading, I didn't put the ad because I was worried yeah. that people would click away because I would always click away. Me too, so, always. And then I didn't realize until much later on that like YouTube wants there to be ads. Yeah, get more views. Yeah, they if they're making money, right, then they might show your shit to more people. Yeah. Oh, I want you to know this is not a paid promotion. This is not a paid promotion. hundred million views. What are we working with right here? What is go. this? The this, money is good. How much is Logan paying you, bro? Zero. This is, I'm bringing this up because this is something I'm embarrassed about mm-hmm. and I needed someone to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought this would be an appropriate venue. You love mm-hmm. Prime Energy. Logan's a friend. I love the guy. Yes. And he told me about Prime before he launched it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's him or just the smart people running his company, but cases of this shit shows up in my office. Yes. And I have like an unbelievable addiction to it. (laughs) Have you tried this shit? We have. He sends us cases to our old office and I just haven't corrected him. (laughs) And they they literally DM me once a month. They go, can we send you more Prime? I go, absolutely. So it's just sitting in some Hasidic Jewish guy's like apartment yeah, I'm yeah, in Williamsburg yeah. somewhere. There's, there's yeah. an artist in Bushwick that's just primed out yeah. every day. I don't know what kind of fucking fentanyl shit they put in there, <laughs> yeah. but my God. It's good stuff. Though. I try not to drink more than three a day. There's like nine cups of coffee worth of caffeine yeah. in that. Mm. Gets you going. Yeah, he's definitely not getting paid for that. Fucking yeah. Yeah. No, 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 Once a hundred million units get sold, he'll start making yeah. lots of money. Yeah. I'll turn that button on. I'm, I'm Do you ever wish that you were part of, because it looks like in the next year or two, you're going to see YouTubers monetize their fan base in a different way, not through the ads, but through products. You know, Jimmy's obviously doing it with the Feastables and the cookies and uh, Logan and KSI doing with this. Do you ever wish that you had a product that you sold? Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I wish I had done sooner was merch. I always thought merch was sort of a lame sellout sort of thing. Yeah. And I think I'm wrong about that. Like yeah. I did do merch and it was very successful. And I think back to when I was like a, a kid and like I got a Red Hot Chili Peppers t-shirt 
I wore that thing every, I just was so psyched to show the world that like this is who I like. Yeah. Mm. And I think there's something valid about that with merch. I think there's like a gross side of it too when you're like sort of predatorily, if that's a word, like focusing on young kids, tell your parents to buy you this shit, like that's bad. Yeah. But I think there's a medium there where you can sell something and people are excited to support you and you're giving them something of equitable exchange. So I have nothing against it. Um, I just have a tough time getting excited about it. Getting excited about. Yeah, like I see Logan with Prime and like- That's the thing that, yeah. Literally jumping off the top rope at WrestleMania with a Prime in his hand and it's like fucking brilliant and I love it and it's genius and it's awesome and it's the greatest marketing coup in the history of sports beverages. Yeah. Uh, I can't do it. And the product's good, but like there's no way I could commit my existence Mm. to like a, a drink or a something like yeah. I just like Agreed. making videos. That's the that's the tricky thing. It's like all of your art has to be centered around promoting this one thing. To me, I just would feel inauthentic. Don't get me wrong. I love the idea of having a billion dollar exit on a drink. I'll take the exit. Is it worth every single video that I do? I'm walking around the bottle. Hmm. I'm on stage. I'm drinking it. Every joke is centered around prime. I mean, I, mean, I will say, like my my technology company Beam yeah. was very much so. I think a parallel to that. Hmm. It was just a piece of software instead of a sports drink or a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us how you hoodwinked CNN? That's so great. <laughs> yeah. Can you break my down how thing. you stole money yeah, yeah, from yeah, CNN? My favorite yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can get into the we can get into all the intimacies of that. Yeah. Um, especially now that my NDA is up. Oh, really? Here we go. Let's, Let's go. Yeah. go. Ask, oh, fire away. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you create this tech company. Yeah. Okay, you are how old at this time? 35, maybe 36. You were already vlogging. Yep. Okay. You're already married. Yep. By this time you have two kids. Yep. Two kids. Sure. And so you're just trying to find ways to just be away from the family. What, what is the purpose <laughs> of this tech company? What is the real core purpose of it? I mean, like the, the actual history of, of the, like the inspiration behind the tech company yeah. is I was at, um, I was invited to MIT as a fellow, fellow like yeah. the, the MIT Media Lab as yeah. a fellow, which was a big deal because I'm a high school dropout. Yeah. And to the best of my professor's knowledge, I'm the only both high school dropout who was also an invited MIT fellow, fellow at MIT. Yeah. Um, I still carry my MIT ID. It's in my wallet, my <laughs> office. I don't have it. Um, did, did you graduate high school? No. Straight no. to MIT. That's yeah, exactly that's right. right. As an Indian, right. that's the thing in your career I'm most jealous of. Yeah. You graduated <laughs> MIT. Yeah. Um, and when I was there, like I really, I like stopped making videos. I just enveloped myself into the, that world. And I worked with a group called the Social Computing Group, which was like super, you know, it was about coding and the social implications of software in 2015. I read this amazing book by Nick Bilton called Hatching Twitter, which was about sort of the birth of Twitter, mm. where they get into the fact that like at its inception, the guys that were starting Twitter were just kind of these knuckleheads who had, a, had an idea. And they hobbled it together and it became Twitter. And I was like, you know, I'm like, I have ideas. And like, I, I, I realized at MIT, like, I don't, just because I don't know how to write code doesn't mean I can't realize this. And I had this idea for like a video product. This is when like videos, I thought, social media rather, was getting really gross. Mm. And it was all about filters and lying. And like, I could create something that's really honest. And I found like this amazing partner and this guy named Matt Hackett, who he was like the, the CTO or the head of, uh, I don't know what, what his title was, but he was very senior at Tumblr, super capable, like unbelievably brilliant technologist. He became my partner. We raised venture money and we built this product. It was called Beam. It was originally called Beam Me because the idea was like you post videos that are unfiltered and raw and people get to experience sort of 
your life through your perspective. Mm. And it was awesome and it was great. And it was like, uh, that was part of the idea behind the vlogs. Like I can use my vlog to talk about this company. It's just not that interesting, like a bunch of dudes sitting around coding. Mm. But once we launched the product, it became like, there was such synergy between the vlog and the product. And we had this wildly successful launch and like an unbelievable amount of people downloaded the app and loved it and used it. But ultimately like Snapchat was better. And Snapchat, like this is right when Snapchat stories came out. When Snapchat stories came out, I'm like, well, this is like what we built, but better in every fucking way. Mm. Like they're really, this is so good. And ours feels. Yeah, the cat ears, man. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, the rainbow cat, mouse. The, the rainbow, rainbow mouse. Yeah, like, fuck, this is big. so much better than what we built. Yeah. And, you know, we pivoted and we did a bunch of stuff. We built a really strong community. We built a really strong, but ultimately like the app just did not succeed. But. The funny thing about the tech space is like, just because your product fails doesn't mean you don't have something of value. And I met with Jeff Zucker at uh, CNN because his son was a fan of mine. Oh, cool. And I remember like at the time, so I was daily vlogging, like I had a rule, no meetings. And my agent called me, he's like, I have a meeting for you. And I was like, I can't afford a fucking meeting. I have to make a video every day. Yeah. He's like, eh, this one you might want to take. It's the head of CNN. And I was like, okay. And I met with them and Jeff was like, how can we work together? And he's like a super cool guy. And I was like, oh, there's no way. Like, I'm, I got my own thing and I'm bigger than you are. More people watch my vlogs than watch CNN. Like I'm happy there. Mm-hmm. And then like, as I was like, you know what though? Your technology sucks. I was like, CNN has bad tech. Your app is like fucking like late 2000s app. Like your website looks like something that was like belongs on AOL. Like it's yeah. fucking yeah. terrible. I was like, there's an opportunity there. And he handed me off to his people who were very smart. And we got excited. Like, let's buy your company. And they weren't buying an app because the app was not successful. They're just buying the tech behind it. They were buying the tech behind it. They were buying this amazing team that we had built. They were buying, like, access to Matt, my partner, buying access to me and my insight. And, like, we had all these ideas together. And, like, that's how they bought my company for, like, a lot of money. Yeah. Can we say how much? Yeah, because well, it's public record. Public, yeah, it's uh, we know. I, I know, but yeah. maybe it just comes out of your mouth. But it's <laughs> two hundred million. I wish. I wish. Um, Damn, I thought that was gonna make you. No, say like the, real the number. number that was public was twenty five million. And then what's the private number? That was that was good. That was wow, great. that was well worded sentence. The yeah, number that was public. That's the public number twenty five million. Yeah. Do you get a trip anywhere crazy? Do they take you to some like wild sex parties? Mm, Anderson Cooper's Epstein's house? Island. Or something? Yeah. No, but I will say <laughs> they acquired the company like. And right as we were getting up to speed, we went to South by Southwest, and I was like the keynote speaker at South by. And CNN had this huge event, like that night, huge party to like celebrate and talk about what we were doing together and stuff. And I remember I was like, talk, like all the executives were there, and we're like, I was like, how long are you guys here for? And like, oh, we're all going back tonight. And I'm like, we like flying back? I was like, it's too late. And they're like, no, no, we got like the CNN plane, we're flying back tonight. And I was like, can I go with you? And I didn't get. I he said no? I didn't get to go on the CNN plane. <laughs> wow. What? Now, hold on. Hold on one second. Hold on one second, Casey. You know there was an extra. I would have sat in the bathroom. Yep. Casey. You've been on PJs. You know in the bathroom, you could, there's a thing you put over the yes, toilet. 100%. And there's a seatbelt. I don't sit in the bathroom. Yeah, I'm not yeah. above that. Just bring me back snacks. Yeah, it's almost better, actually, in the bathroom. Yeah, it's a private yeah, room. Right. And then if somebody needs to use it, I would step out. Get yeah. out. Go back I'll in. I'll bring the snacks out. 100%. And then when they were done, I'll go back in. I'll clean. Yep. And then I'd eat my snacks. Mm-hmm. Now you harbored this feeling of rejection. I still do. But how did you get around it? How did you overcome? Overcome not being the president. What was yet. the first thing that you did once Third, you got that big yeah. deal? What is the first thing that you and your family did? You started doing this once you got that big CNN deal. What was it? <laughs> you know, I don't. How did you guys start flying around the world, Casey? 
What'd you do? Air Neistat. I bought my own <laughs> 737 Boeing business jet. Take that, CNN! It's part Take of, that, Don Lemon! It's, it's parked outside right now. Wow, you taxied over here? Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice, dude. None of this is true. I rode my did fucking start, skateboard here. No, didn't you start flying private afterwards for okay, a little? Like I you, got this, this is a like, fun story. I, yeah, I, I, like, I remember, because that was like... That was the year, like, like the CNN, and not only like, not only was there that payout, but like they hired Matt and I. We had, yeah. I had, I had so a you're job. On salary. I was on salary. I had yeah. fucking healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. I never had healthcare. Yeah. And like, also that was when it was like raining with YouTube money, and it yeah. was the first time in my life yeah. that I had money. Yeah. And like, I was like, when my first kid was born, I was fucking 16 years. old. I was on welfare. Yeah. yeah. Like my first apartment in New York City was an SRO a halfway house where I bribed the guy at the front with a $100 bill and a carton of cigarettes to give me a room. I had no bathroom and no kitchen. And it was just fucking he like- him a cigarette. He doesn't even know he's not out of prison out yet. out somebody's name <laughs> yeah. and he put my name. Yeah, that's what it was like. Wow. It was 400 bucks a month, Upper West Side, like yeah. right on the edge of Harlem. Yeah. And like it was a place to sleep every night. Yeah. And you would hear fucked up shit happened in there. Like fucked up shit happened. And like I would live in there with my kid. Like I remember going to the bathroom once with my kid. He was like two years old. He's like, I have to go to the potty. And it's like, we have to put our shoes on. We have to take like our basket with all of our toiletries. And we go to the bathroom. The fucking bathroom was covered in blood. Wee. And I, I like closed the door so he didn't see it. And I was like, come on, we have to go to the other bathroom. We like go down a flight of steps. Like that was my life. Wow. So like, Whoa. boom, all of a sudden, like I get paid. So like, I remember saying to my wife, I was like, look, this is going to end. But like. I'm gonna, we're gonna like. While it's happening. While it's happening. We're like, going for it. I like, we went and bought an apartment and then like, we didn't get a 737 or whatever I said two minutes ago, but like, we like got like a thing where you get to go on a plane for like, you like rent hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Net jets or yeah. whatever. Something it is. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, like once we were like, we're in Miami and our kid was sick and I was like, I'll get us our own plane to go home. It was like 8,000 bucks. Yeah, like, yeah. fuck, I wish I had the 8,000 bucks right now. But it was fucking <laughs> fun. It was fun. Yeah. It lasted like a year. And I was like, yeah. honey, honey, mm-mm. Yeah. No, <laughs> just bring it back. Bring, you got the receipt? Bring it back. <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun. All right, guys, we're going to take a break for a second. Because let's say, for example, you're involved in a horrible car crash. Now, Casey's not driving that much anymore, so it probably wouldn't be him. But if he was, it could be him. Now, what are you going to do? You need to make some money off of that crash. It has affected your life. It has affected your ability to work. You deserve compensation, okay? And Morgan & Morgan could help you get that money that you deserve, okay? They have over 100 offices nationwide and more than 800 lawyers with over $15 billion recovered for clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get you full and fair compensation. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. It's more like using an app than hiring a lawyer, okay? With Morgan & Morgan, literally, you're ordering takeout. You're not hiring a lawyer. It is that easy. You submit a, uh, a claim without ever having to leave your couch. In eight clicks or less, you can submit a claim to Morgan & Morgan. And if that accident you're in was absolutely horrible, hopefully it wasn't. But if it is, you might not be able to get off the couch. So let Morgan & Morgan help you get your life back together. They could possibly do it. So if you're ever injured, you can check Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash flagrant or dial pound law, pound 529 from your cell phone. That's forthepeople.com slash flagrant or pound law. 
pound 529 from your cell. Now let's get back to the show. All right, guys, we're going to take a break for a second because we all like saving money doing absolutely nothing different than we already do, okay? I'm not telling you to save money by buying different products. I'm not telling you to save money by stopping your purchase uh, activity here, okay? I'm not telling you to do any of that. What I'm telling you right now is Honey is going to find a way to save you money. If there is a coupon code on the internet for a discount for whatever item you're buying online, Honey is going to search for it for you and insert it, okay, and you're going to get that discount. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's sneakers, okay? Maybe it's groceries. If there's a coupon code available on the internet, Honey is finding it for you. Honey is a browser extension. I'm telling you, it is so simple. Don't get thrown off by browser extension. What the hell does that mean? Honey is the simplest way for you to save money buying the things you're already buying, okay? This is how simple it is, okay? Imagine when you're shopping one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey searches for the coupons it can find on that site. If Honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop. That simple. Honey doesn't just work on desktop, it works on your iPhone too. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. So if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out, and by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. So get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash flagrant. That is joinhoney.com slash flagrant. Save that money, now let's get back to the show. Also, guys, the Bum Ass Cities Tour, still going strong, Denver, fantastic start. Every show sold out, it was so fun. Best comedy club in America. Also, May 3rd, East Providence. It's also sold out. No tickets for that left. St. Louis, May 10th. Tickets are still left. And even if you don't like me, last time I was there, I almost got killed. My mom got death threats. It was a whole thing. Let's make it happen again. The Magic at Helium Comedy Club. May 11th, I'm going to be in Kansas City, Missouri. May 31st, Cleveland, Ohio. June 1st, Columbus, Ohio. Get your tickets at akashsing.com. Now let's get back to the show. Have you ever in your life uh, felt uh, an aversion to risk? No. And why do you, you think You know what, no. I take that back. Now I do. Now, I was talking to Dean about this a little bit. Now I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I never felt an aversion. It's funny, like, when you have nothing. Yeah. There's, there's a freedom no to that, right? There's yeah. a freedom. When you You're have nothing, yeah. you have nothing to lose. That's exactly yeah. right. It's fucking let's go. Like, there's nothing to lose. And now it's like, I look at my kids, I got to pay for their school. And it's like, oh, I got to play it safe. Like, I, my biggest fear is not being able to, like, pay for school and, like, not being able to, like, have, like, a place for us to live where they feel safe. And, yeah. like, those are my fears You now. can live with nothing. Oh, yeah, they can't live, with, that. live right. with nothing. That's and right. you can't be the reason they don't have it. Yeah. It gets scary. It gets scary. Um, so can, can we go back to nothing? You, you, yeah. you drop out of school at what? 15? Uh, yeah, 14, 15. 14, 15. Yeah, like ninth grade was the first year. Last year I finished, freshman year. What was happening in school? It was less school. It was more like I had a fu- kind of a fucked up situation at home. Um, I say that gently. Like we, yeah. our parents were, they're not like, it, like in the grand scheme of things, it was fine. Yeah. But it was like I was the one who had to like tell my dad, like, dad, mom's cheating on you. Oh, wow. oh really? Yeah. And like. You saw what happened? It was, yeah. It was like. Ugh. Like, I had to tell my father that. Oh, and that's fucking weird and oh, tough. Yeah, yeah. And then my mother, you know, my mother really, like, blamed the kids in a very, like, classic, like, after-school special, like, Hallmark movie kind of way, mm. which was just fucked up. And then I just, like, we all kind of did, but my sister had a car. Van, my older brother, was just in college. Dean was little, yeah, three years right. younger than me. Yeah. And I was just sort of, like, this weird, stuck teenager. Mm. 
So it was just like full rebellion. You were acting out in school a little yeah, bit. Yeah, rebelling against yeah. her, rebelling against everything. Like I started like selling weed. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, because I remember like I discovered weed. This is a fun little parenthetical here, a little <laughs> tangent for us. But I like first time I smoked weed, I was like, woof, woof. Yeah, yeah. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, but let me get this straight. Like a fucking paper route all week long for like a fucking this much. I was like, this is like not cost effective. Yeah. And then I remember we like all chipped in and we got a half an ounce. And I was like, you know, mine was gone by Wednesday. Yeah. And my boy was like, mine's gone too, but I got more money. I'm buying more. And I'm like, how'd you get more money? He's like, I sold half of mine. Uh-huh. And I was like, how much, how much you sell it for? And he's like, I sold it for 50. I was like, but you only chipped in 50. And he's like, yeah, but, and I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And I started like doing the math. Mm-hmm. And I start, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I start doing the math. And I'm like, okay. So you're telling me, <laughs> if I buy a half a pound, I can get a 1,600% return on that if I'm selling it. That's really eights. good math for a dropout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what I did. And I was just fucking making bank. And how I did is like the house we lived in, everybody slept on the second floor. My yeah. bedroom was on the first floor. Oh, so you were free. So yes. they'd par- I had a pager. So they'd park a block away. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this is it. old school drug dealing. Yeah, yeah. and they would, <laughs> yeah. I'd like, I'd open my window. This is like cranking the window to my parents' house. Like this. Yeah. They'd come up to the window and be like, and be like, yo, it's good. And they'd be like, you got the eighth? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And like, I remember I always show them the scale. Because you were doing it from the crib? Yeah, from my bedroom. <laughs> out the window like at McDonald's. <laughs> Wait, this is your parents' house or this after you dropped no, out? No, my parents' house. house was the trap This is like, look, like, my, my parents like, <laughs> your parents the trap house. house. My parents are like, you know, they're like going through shit. Like, they don't have time. Like, they're fucking, my dad, like, I'm the poor guy. My dad's a great guy. My mother's fucked, like, fucked up shit in the house. Nobody's paying attention to my, like, operation out of the bedroom window. In any event, that was one of the ways I was acting out. Yeah. And like I had some degree of financial freedom because like, you know, I had like a under the water bed was hella loot. Like yeah. I was good. And um, and then just got in a lot of trouble at school, like a lot of fighting, a lot of fighting. Oh, like really? to this day, like these are all teeth scars on my knuckles from oh, like wow. really? What's your yeah. record? Mm. Are you pretty good? <laughs> no, I was just like I got picked on. I was like a little kid who was fucking weird looking. I got into a lot of fist fights. Like kids would pick on me. Yeah. But like kids would like People would, like, beat me for weed. Like, I'd give them the weed. They wouldn't give me the money. Oh, like, fuck. You, got, you got two choices when that happens. You shut it down or you're, like, the guy that people can steal from. So you had to shut it down. I had to shut it down. Damn. And I was little. But you had to learn how to fight. I could fight. So you were fucking people up in Connecticut or what? I mean, it was like a distress. You're like talking about kids who barely hit puberty, like fighting in the backyard in the back parking lot. And stuff. Nah, those but count. It was like, those count. Those count. Yeah. Those count. <laughs> Alex is seven and four, and yeah. like eight of those fights are all in the yeah, backyard. Yeah, Under the age of 12. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I hit puberty. Yeah. <laughs> they had, but he had. <laughs> but no, so it was yeah, like, it count. was. It was rough, and then like finally, like I got in a lot of trouble in school. Like something really bad happened. Can you talk about? I think it was either a fight or when they caught me smoking weed in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and it was like a ten-day suspension. And it was also like you're allowed, you you're so allowed money five suspensions or thirty detentions, and you get thrown out of school. I had twenty-nine detentions at that point in time. It was like my <laughs> sixth suspension, and I just remember my mom being like. Um, Either you live by my rules or you get out of this house. And I remember just like, 
Like I know what you're like. I know what you're doing. Yeah, you yeah. can't tell me. Like if it was my dad saying that, it would have been such. Like I remember my dad when he gave me the drug talk, and he found out like me and my friends tried acid once. Like yeah. to this day, I've done acid once when I was like 13. And after my dad talked to me about it, it was such an effective talk. Oh wow! Hmm. He was like, you know, your, you know, you know, my friend. I'm changing the guy's name for his. You know, my friend Chris. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you know how he is. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, after he graduated high school, he spent the whole summer doing acid in the basement, and that's why he's like that. And I was like, I never would never. Oh, and like that's good. That was like yeah. solid. But it was like coming from her at that moment, and I was like, fine, I'm out. Mm. But you so respect you respect your dad a lot. Yeah. yeah, and like I was like I'm out, and I like I remember I had like a hardcover book under the waterbed, like under the bubble, that was filled up with money, so I'd keep it flat, and I was like nine or ten thousand dollars in oh, there, so you were and I just like shoved it in my pocket. I took my box fan, I can't sleep without like a fan on me, yeah. and I just like walked out, like walked out, and I, like walked down the street. It's like a teenager, just like left, like nine o'clock at night on a Monday, no car, no cell nothing. phone, yeah, nothing. So where you go? You go see? I went to like I remember his name was Ethan. This kid down the end of the street. There were a couple of Ethan's like this kid, and I like called him from the payphone. I was like, "Can I stay with you?" And he has like hippie parents. He's like, "Yeah, you can come sleep over." And I stayed at his house for two nights. And like there was this other kid, Dan, who he also sold a lot of weed. And his mother used to like steal his weed. She didn't give a shit. And I was like, "Can I stay with you?" He's like, "Yes." And I stayed with him for a few days, and then I met these two girls who were like eighteen. They had their own apartment. Oh shit! And like you can stay with us. No drug dealing, and you got chipping on rent. And I was like, I got money. And I was like, I guess I should stop dealing drugs anyways. So I like moved in with them. So you rizzed two 18-year-old girls to the point where they just let you move in. Yeah, and then like 30 seconds later, one of them was pregnant. <laughs> Dang. Dang. Like immediately. Immediately. The daily hog. Like, <laughs> not, <laughs> not joking. Hold like, on. Hold on, you knocked up. Immediately. And immediately. you were how old? Um, at that time, I was like, I was 15, yeah. And she was 18? Yeah. That's my yeah. boy. Yeah. What, was That's your, what was like your personal reflection? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so so you're sleeping with one of them. Yeah. Does the other one know? Does she hear it in the night? Just fucking like. Yeah, I mean, I was like 15. That sound never happened. What? <laughs> it was like, you know, a second, yeah. sometimes a glance. Sometimes I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. Your dick was a booster board, bro. You get that quick. <laughs> it was like, was that it? You know, like it was a lot of that. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of that. Okay. But like, no, I like I did. I we had a great relationship. Like I liked her. Yeah, she was awesome. She was cool. She was like a really independent, strong-willed girl whose parents had like like she had been on her own since she was young too. Oh wow! And she was just like a G. She worked hard. She's like I had a job then washing dishes because I wasn't doing drugs anymore. She was like driving to work every day, <laughs> and like you know we didn't know she was pregnant and right. me, but like you can. You know, you can start at the end and then work back. Yes. And I'm, and I'm not joking when I say like it was within <laughs> weeks. Now, now of meeting each was other. That, was that was that like yeah. tricky to get to that point? Did did you hit on her? Like, how, were you like, oh yeah, this is awesome? Mm. How do you cross that threshold? Because yeah. you're homeless. Yeah. And so you're already grateful. <laughs> yeah. You know and then you bang your landlord. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. What is that like? I don't 15. know. I'm just I, yeah, saying, I'm pussy around. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just saying, I, what is I, that's pretty awesome. I haven't thought in those terms in a long time because it's like she uniquely doesn't like she represents like my son's mother and this woman yes. that I've had this fantastic relationship with for 26 years now. And she's this wonderful person that I know. So I've never like thought of her in those terms because like she was this like hot teenager and I was this kid for like 
this much of and our life, and then for this much yeah. of our life, we're just like adults together sharing this responsibility of being yeah. parents. So I never get to think in those terms, but like, you know, back then it was like you were a teenager, you're just learning about girls or like hot girls in high school. Were you a and like, at that time? Was that your first time having sex? No, but it was, you know, it wasn't so far from that. It wasn't far from that. I was only 15. Like it wasn't, yeah. like it was very. It first was, yeah. time having sex to pregnancy? It was, it was close, but it wasn't the first time. Okay. Um, you know, there were like some fun parties where like silly shit happens before that. But like there was no. I was not by any means experienced. Casey I didn't was know a what terror was going on. I had to move you out. I didn't uh-huh. know. I didn't know what was going on. Like, I like looking back at it. Like in the immediate aftermath, like when she was pregnant, like how did this happen? It was like, oh no, I, I definitely know how this happened. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like you realize, like this is like not to take it from this fun bro conversation to get real, but it's like the importance of sex ed. I am dead fucking serious right now. They need to teach kids. I had no clue that. You didn't know where babies came yeah. from? I knew where babies came from, but it was like, What'd you think she's not going to get pregnant. You know, like, I literally <laughs> remember thinking that. I think you need sex. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, like, I had none. Like, I was, a, I was a kid. I was a kid. Like, none of it made sense to me. Like, I was just a kid. Like, obviously, like, when, you're, when I'm in my 20s and I'm single, it's all very vivid. And, yes. But, like, young people have sex without yeah. any understanding of what the actual consequences are. We thought the pull-out method was like 100%. Oh, 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I would yeah. pull out after I finished. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't, none of it. I understood uh, none of it. You tried the backwards you way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, understood, I understood none of it, and it like, it, They teach you in sex ed, that's the most fun. It's yeah, like- You didn't I, get to that class. This sex ed, <laughs> I, like, I remember being like, Connecticut public school education, we had had like, you know, like one day a year dedicated towards sex ed. And it sounds silly, but like the time frame from like kissing girls and being like, yo, I got to touch her boobs, like that point in your immaturity and your relationship with women, yeah. to me literally having a girlfriend might be pregnant, that was like, we're talking about months. Yeah. You know, it's not a long time. And mm. like, I wasn't dumb. I just had no idea. Mm. And that part I remember. Like, I mean, and that's more like reflecting back as a parent and as a mature adult. Like, I remember as I entered my 20s in New York City and I was actually single and I started like a normal life with girls and dating and sex and shit mm. like that. It was obviously like super clear how yeah. things work. Mm. But for that like short window of time, mm-hmm. and I know like a lot of people that were like around my age and my like no fucked up part of the world who like also got girls pregnant. And either had kids or also, didn't. Also, parents are but, like, terrified to explain. Parents to are terrified. I'm terrified sex. to talk to my daughters about it. My yeah. wife is like a hero about it. Yeah. How um, did you feel when she told you? Were you scared in that moment? Weirdly, like no. Um, and I look back at that, and like much credit to her. She's really like an exceptional human being. She's a very strong, super smart, like tough, independent woman. Um, but she was terrified. And I remember like one time she was crying, and I was like, "Why are you crying?" I was like, hmm. "We're gonna have a kid. This is gonna be fine." And like looking back at that, what a who the fuck was I to say that? Yeah, I was like sixteen. She's like driving me to my dishwashing job in like a <laughs> 1988 Ford Taurus that had mismatched color like door panels on the outside that wasn't registered, and we only had enough gas money to get me to and from work. We could not drive anywhere else, or we'd like run out of gas. Mm. And like we're gonna be fine. We're golden. And um, no, I think then for me it was such like a vivid thing that was. Um, like I was like, drop out, drug dealer, fuck up. And it was like, no, 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 here's how I can do good. 
This is like- Being a parent. Yeah. This, this is, is your opportunity. This is my key. Like, mm. this is what's gonna like fix it. And you can maybe and, be a better parent. Than and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly what happened. It gave you what? Focus, determination. Yeah, yeah. It's like the minute you have a child, you sort of externalize your priorities yeah. where it's like, it's, it's not, not about, about me. Yeah. It's about this like amazing thing, this child, this yeah, kid. Cool. But that's not the only time that you're broke. I know, I'm still broke. And you, but then you go on to have some success. So you move out of Connecticut. The success was like, it was still many years. Right. Like years and years and years away. Or like a decade away. Because okay. yeah, the, the baby's born in what, 97, 96? Yeah. And then when do you go live with Van? So, yeah, so uh, this is like, this gets a little nuanced, but like, we, like she was pregnant the entire time we moved to live with Van. So what happened was my brother Van was in college at William & Mary in, in Virginia. We lived in Connecticut. And like she and I really started to like each other. We like, you know, we like were, were in it together. We didn't know she was pregnant. And we like, get like, let's get the fuck out of here. She got into sort of a little tiff with her girlfriend who was the roommate. And she was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I was like, I got nothing holding me down. Let's go. So we ran away. We moved to Virginia where my brother Van was in college. And we like, he like lived in this flop house. We had a room in the flop house. Uh, he had to adopt me, my brother Van. Oh, wow. Yeah, Legally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so you could go to school, school and shit. Wow. Yeah. I, was under, I wasn't of age. I was only 15. Yeah. So he had to adopt me. That's a fucked up story. Why? Um, well, one, we had, we had to go in front of a judge. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking He's 21. Also, yeah. <laughs> I'm 15. We had bleached our hair the day before. We, <laughs> no, we thought we'd look handsome. Like Backstreet Boys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we put the bleach in our hair, then we put hairnets over, like plastic like shower caps over, yeah. and we went to Golden Corral because we were hungry, yeah. but we didn't know you're not supposed to leave it in there that long, so our fucking scalps were bleeding, and we washed out, half our hair fell out, so we go in there with like flaming red scalps yeah, with yeah. white translucent yeah, fucking yeah. polar bear looking hair. Yeah. <laughs> and we're wearing suits that we got at like the thrift store, like don't fit us. And then she, the, the judge is like, what are you yeah. doing here? Yeah. And we had a good story. Which was? Which was like, I just want to go to school. And this is the only way I can go to school. Mm. And I remember she was like, all right, well, I guess my better, against my better judgment, I will grant you this. Wow. That is not the last time a That's, judge used that say, verbiage with can me. You, wait, wait, can what you, you tell mean? that story, please? That one is in the distant future, but we can get to that Okay, story. we'll get there, we'll get there, Whoa, okay. So but then, like, the, your dad. Yeah, that's and then crazy. when we get into did the parking lot. Did he make you call, call him dad a little bit? No, that's fucking weird. But when we got into <laughs> the parking lot. What about dad? When we got into the parking Big lot, daddy. I just remember Ooh. Van was like, couldn't get his lighter to work. And he's like trying to get his lighter to work to light my Winston cigarette. And he finally like, it's like, Got it. Look up, and the judge is standing there. And he just lit my cigarette, and we're like, thanks. <laughs> we're like, Go get in our fucking Hyundai Excel yeah, yeah. before we told him yeah. and left. Um, oh, that's wild. Okay, so you're living in Virginia for a little bit. And then, like, and then it became like clear, like clear that she was pregnant. Oh. Yeah. And it was like, you can't live in a, nobody said that to us, but it was like, we can't live in a fucking flop house. Right. Um, and it was like also like ourselves, like we couldn't deny it anymore. Right. Like we had sort of knew, but it was like the idea of someone being pregnant when you're that young is like unfathomable. Like yeah. neither of us could comprehend that that was real. Yeah. What's a flop house? I never heard that. So uh, this was literally called the hippie house and it uh -huh. no longer exists on the campus of William & Mary, but it was like a big, huge Victorian house that was kind of fucked up, but it had like 19 bedrooms in it. So everybody just chip in a couple hundred bucks and all of a sudden you could afford this gigantic house. Gotcha. And like, you know, the nicer the bedroom, the more expensive it was. But like eight people lived in the attic. You just got like a spot that was like a hundred bucks a month. 
and campus on campus. A flat house for hippies. Yeah, yeah it's exactly gotcha, what it was. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it's now the university bought it. It's now like one of the administrative buildings. I went back years ago and it was like heartbreaking. Um, yeah, but that's where we lived. Okay, so you guys moved back to? We moved back to Connecticut. Okay. We moved in with like her cousin who had four kids of her own. Yeah, oh, yeah, very yeah. nice people. They were just looking after us. Yeah. We had nowhere to live. And we lived in their basement, an unfinished like concrete basement. Yeah, it was fucking gnarly. But you cool. never lost self-confidence. You always were like, yeah, no, it's like fine. cool. I remember like I remember like I got a job washing dishes for eight bucks an hour, which was like two bucks more than I'd ever been paid for washing dishes. So you were just and I remember, yeah, I remember I came home and like the dad, like her her cousin's husband, he was like, How did the interview go? And I was like, I got the job, eight bucks an hour. And I was expecting him to be like, my man. <laughs> and instead he like I just saw the look of terror. Because yeah. he's an adult yeah. father. Yeah. He was like, like if you work a hundred hours a week, you might be able to afford groceries. It was like the look on his face. And I didn't understand that. Yeah. yeah. But no, at eight bucks an hour, I was like, fucking got it. You yeah. never thought about selling drugs again? Selling the selling weed again? You never thought about? No, no, like that was no too risky. Yeah, yeah and it was also just like the, the child was a it was a pivot point. It was like oh, I was okay. psyched to like yeah. prove that I was like good now. Um, okay, so you're back in Connecticut. When do you make that move to New York? After she dumped me, which was like like we lived in a really dumpy apartment that was dope, that was great, but it was like three hundred bucks a month, four hundred bucks a month in Connecticut, in in part of Connecticut. And then I remember we bought some real estate. Um, I was waiting for that. I was like, yeah. "You're just setting up the, the you're setting up the pins right now." And I'm ready to bowl a strike. <laughs> we bought a trailer. Yeah, okay. That we were able to park on a piece of land. And the trailer was twelve thousand dollars that we were able to get a mortgage on. So our mortgage on that trailer was like one hundred and ten dollars a month. And then to rent the piece of land that we parked our caravan on was two hundred bucks a month. So it cost us less monthly to live in like a mobile home. Uh-huh. And that's where we lived. Yeah. Holy shit. And but then it meant I could walk to work because it was closer to so my. So you didn't have to spend any money. Yeah. On so we lived in like this trailer park, this like caravan park, and it was not bad living. Yeah. But I will say like, um, there's a line in Juicy about like no heat on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Like one morning we woke up on it was Christmas morning and like the heater for our trailer had completely fried, mm. and like we had woke up Christmas morning it was like fucking freezing. Um, but eventually she dumped me. Why? I mean, you had so much going for you. <laughs> <laughs> making eight bucks an she, hour. She dumped, well, I was up to like nine and change by then. Yeah. You know, she, real estate. She yeah. dumped me for all the right reasons. Okay. Um, and I thank the Lord every day that she did dump me because it was the kick in the ass that I needed. And I like moved in with uh, the cook at the restaurant who was also a single dad. Yeah. I like lived in his condo with him. And then like I started coming into New York on Metro North to see Van, to see my brother. He, this is a fun story, but he had to drop out of William & Mary because my mother spent his tuition money on a new car. Oh, wow. Did, did you crash it? So he, I was never allowed to drive it. Um, but I would have. Well, yeah, of course. Um, so Van moved to New York City, and like New York City was like, for me, as a child, like, like some kids had like the fucking Testarossa or the, like the Countach poster, Kathy Ireland poster. I had like, the New York City poster. Like, I obsessed over the city. When I was a kid, like, the movie Big was my favorite. He's this little kid like me, and he got to move to New York City. Oh, yeah. New York City was, like, there was nothing greater in the world. That's your favorite movie? When I was a kid, there was, I watched it every single day. Like, I know every word of that movie. I literally wrote down in my notes, you're Tom Hanks from Big. Yeah, that's my goal. My whole goal, my whole life. Mission accomplished. That's it. Wow. That's all I've ever wanted to be. Great like, he lived in a loft with the fucking toys. You ever seen my office? <laughs> yeah. 
They're the same space. I mean, it just makes wow. perfect sense. Yeah. It's all I've ever wanted. And like, you have this juvenile like, exuberance about life. You're just so excited about everything that you do. And that is what a child in an adult's body that can do whatever the fuck they want to do would have. Yeah. There's no bitterness. There's no hate unless we're talking about types of content. Do you know that <laughs> Tom Hanks was nominated for the Academy Award for Best, best Supporting Actor, Best Actor in that movie? Little known fact, that might not be true. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I believed it though. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. okay so Wait. continue. Um, so now you get to start feeling the city. Was, yeah, so it was like going into Metro and coming in like by myself was a big deal. And I remember I was like, drive my car to like New Haven, then get on the train. It was like nine bucks each way. Mm. And then I'd like come in and we'd like talk about ideas and the future. And I like, had this five year plan to move to New York City. And then something just kind of clicked and I was like, no, I gotta go. Like I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta go. And my brother's girlfriend's friend had this like shitty place in the East Village, like an Alphabet City, in two thousand one, and it was like eight hundred bucks a month for the summer. And my brother's girlfriend paid the rent, like oh, the wow. twenty four hundred bucks. Whoa. So I'd have a place for the summer. And so I had three months where I had a room in a studio apartment converted into a two bedroom and the room was so small, my futon, when laid into a bed, would go to a V. <laughs> so it was like a taco shell, like it yeah. couldn't go flat. Wow. Yeah. And that's where I slept and that's where I like, moved here with like a fucking two year old. And I would like bring him back and forth on the train, wow. I would go back and it was like 50 bucks round trip to go there. Or like there was a cheat where if I didn't have the 50 bucks, you could take a bus to Foxwood Casino. Foxwood Casino subsidized the cost of the bus. Yeah. So people go there to gamble and it was close enough to where I lived where I could like get there. So that was like a cheaper way to do oh, it. Wow. Um, so, I like, so I never was like, never stepped away from the kid or the, my role as a mm. parent. Did you ever go to FAO Schwartz like in the movie? Yeah, yeah, when he was little, that's what we would do. Yeah. We, had like, that's, we had so much fun. Um, but that was like, that was like, as crazy as this sounds, that was way lower and way scarier financially than even when I was on welfare in Connecticut. There was something, say, like I lived in a trailer, I lived in a caravan, but I knew that that was there every night. Mm. And I knew there'd be, I worked in a restaurant, there was always food. Mm. And when I got to New York, there was like, I had nothing. Mm. I was like a bike messenger and I remember being a bike messenger and like my first paycheck for a bike messenger was like 270 bucks, but they contact you on your personal cell phone. And my cell phone bill was like $50 more than my paycheck and I'm like <laughs> losing money. And it was just fucking scary. Sorry, like, to interrupt. What are your aspirations at this point in your life story? Exactly what they were right. Exactly what they are right now. Like I just wanted to make movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like that thing that I would come into the city to talk to my brother Van about. He had bought the computer that you could edit video on, mm. and I had the camcorder to make videos of my kid. Like I got a, I got a WWF Brett the Hitman Hart credit card, maxed it mm-hmm. out at Tweeter which was like an electronic store in the fucking Crystal Mall to buy a camcorder to film my kid. Mm. And Van had the computer, I had the camera. So we would like join forces and make little videos. And I was like, this is all I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh. So I'd like come in and like, that was the dream. But instead I was like a bike messenger. And it was just rough. It was like really, really fucking brutal. Those were like the scariest months. When do you get the break? Not even the big break. And I mean, so like I met this artist um, who has like a studio near here, Tom Sachs, and like I started working for him for like 10 bucks an hour under the table, yeah. doing like odd jobs and, and doing bullshit. And that sort of was something, it was more than being a bike messenger. At least I knew it was sort of a dependable thing, uh, which just wasn't much money. And like, I remember like one point in time, he had this like um, model girlfriend who's a friend of his or a friend of the studios or something, and she needed a house sitter. 
So I like went and stayed at her cushy apartment. All I had to do was look after her two like fucking half cheetah, half cat cats. Those are cool. Very yeah. fancy fucking awful cats that destroy everything. <laughs> and she was like, they each get two cans of this like fancy cat food. And she just never came back. She wow. was supposed to be back in three weeks and it was like a month and a half later. And I was like, we're out of fucking cat food. <laughs> and I just remember thinking it was like, it's the cats or me. I was like, no, I'm not going hungry. So I was like, these cats went from getting two cans each a day. They would share one can of whatever the cheapest shit that the fucking bodega would sell me. <laughs> That's it. And let me That's tell you, these cats were fucking hungry. Because <laughs> like, like, I didn't have, I ate, the, I ate the cat food equivalent. Like I would buy bags of rice and bags of, bags of pasta. She yeah. was so cheap. Yeah. From like a calorie to dollar perspective, it was cheap. Yeah. And the cats would just watch me eat my plain <sighs> pasta. And I'd be like, I'd like you ever seen a cat eat plain pasta? You know how hungry a cat has to be to eat plain pasta? <laughs> Like, like Lady in the Tramp, they just like slurp it up. It was no, it was like they would like fight, they like scratch Whoa. me, they would scratch me in bed, um, and like that felt like that went on. That felt like that went on for a really long time. Yeah. So New York is is a struggle for you. It was that was you're the, living that in was chaos. The scariest year of my life. Yeah. In the formative years of your life. Yeah. But you're kind of okay with it. You're almost like comfortable in the chaos, and then you come to New York, and that's the difficult part. That's that's when like chaos was like quite literally off the charts. And when I say off the charts, I mean like, imagine what you, your scope of chaos, like welfare, uncertainty, like no education, no skills, no discernible skills, no way to make a living. Yeah. And then like you come into a city with no skills to transfer into this city. I wouldn't, couldn't even get a job washing dishes here because it was like- Too competitive. And like, yeah, nobody knew, it was just, I was too young and it was weird. Like I couldn't get the fucking gig. Yeah. And then, like, the really key part is that apartment that my brother's girlfriend rented for me was from June 1 to September 1. So it was three months it was up. September 1, like, I had no place to stay. I met this, like, really this cool is... friend of my bro brother's girlfriend. She was, like, in his acting class, this cool gay guy who had rich parents. And he's like, I've got this loft my dad's paying for. Rennie Cash, feed me 500 bucks a month. You can stay on my couch. And I was like, sweet. Mm. Moved into his place on Rector Street, dope apartment. There was, like, three roommates in there, me, Girl named Kamara and him, and like Got my eleventh another kid. <laughs> no, immediately. no, no, no. That, that would have been that probably would have been easier to under, to cope with. But we lived on Rector Street. I moved in on September one, two thousand one. Oh, oh ten days into my tenure, I was woken up because all the windows glass blew in. Hey. Like our whole apartment exploded. Shit. And thank like, thank God your son wasn't with you. I was like, thank God he wasn't yeah, with me. And crazy. I like, I just remember like panicking and like putting on shorts and they're like, they're up and they're like, what do we do? And I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And they're like, do not leave the house. It's the worst thing you can do. And I was like, all right, fuck that. I'm, I'm leaving. Like, good luck guys. And I bailed and I went outside and it was just like, it was like, like PTSD is something I don't, especially because I'm friends with a lot of former soldiers. My kid brother's a, a, a veteran. I don't use that lightly, but like I could describe for you Yep. In the most vivid detail. Yep. Like if I could I could export this, if I could draw, I could paint for you a frame by frame, 24 frames per second, what I experienced for the proceeding four hours with the most vivid yep. smells, tastes, colors, everything. Yep. Like Whoa. stepped outside of my apartment and I just see someone frantically, not in uniform, a human, just fucking dressed like you or I, dressed, running around frantically with a stack of sheets this high taking the sheets with one hand, wringing it out, and then dropping them. And I'm like, what the fuck is that person doing? And as they drop them, they'd turn red. And I realized they were dropping those sheets on remains that had fallen. 
And when I realized that, my brain just no, 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 nothing can compute. Remains I, of human beings that had fallen from the plane to Dead mark them. To, to no, to cover, cover them, them for oh, dignity's oh, sake. Oh, sheets! I thought you were talking about like sheets, sheets. of like no, loose no, no, leaf no. Sheets, paper. bed sheets. Oh, white my cloth God. bed sheets. And like my brain, like you, now I couldn't understand that. Yeah. And then I definitely couldn't understand. And I just like got on my bike and like I had my video camera and I was like trying to bike away. And I like stopped and I just see like all these cops running in and I see like paper falling and it's like, could not make sense of it. And then like a fireman just starts screaming. I'm like, get out of here. Like for my own safety, mm-hmm. it was not being a jerk. And I was like, start biking away. And then just like, like heat, like you never imagine, just throws me off my bike. And that was the second, expl- like second plane hit it. Wow. Like skin my knees, get up. And like race to Van's apartment on 14th street. And I like, get Van and like, like, what do we do? And I was like, we gotta go to the hospital. And we had to go help people. And like we went to St. Vincent's. They sent Vincent's rest in peace. This has been closed yep. down and turned into overpriced condominiums. Yep. And we were like out front there and like helping. And I just remember like no one knew what to do. Yep. And we're like the cops showed up and the cops were like, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Yep. And I was like, what's the question? And they're like, what do we do? Yeah. And I was like, I need you to shut down that street, shut down traffic here, shut down traffic here, only let the ambulances through, create a way for the ambulance to come through. You have flares? They're like, they're in the trunk. I was like, get the flares. And I was literally on New York One, like fucking commanding the situation as like a 20 year old outside of St. Vincent's because there was just nothing. And I remember like the one thing I was like is like, we have to start lining shit up. And they're like, we're out of cots. And I was like, get rolling chairs, put sheets over, line them up. We like all this, they're like, everybody was ready. And no one came. Like there wow. was no one to be saved. And it was like, yeah. that's where I was standing. Like, you know that view on 6th Ave? Looking straight down at the World Trade Centers? They're right there. And I just like stand there in slow motion watching them fall. And it was like CGI before CGI. It was like so like this flower. Mm. There was like a beauty to it that was like, it was like you're again. You're watching. And you're like, I don't know what I'm seeing, but that's not. That's I, that's not real. It's like, too crazy for you to even comprehend. Yeah. 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 Did you film any of it? Like, I mean, I, like I have a couple shots of me biking away, and I've made videos about it. But like, I'm biking away, and the camera's behind me. At one point in time, I switch hands, and it crosses my face. And you can go through it frame by frame, and you just see like the terror. Yeah. Wow. On my face. Yeah. So in any event, that was cool. <laughs> and Do you I rem- think that moment affected the way you viewed creation or like the way you lived your life after that? Like it is a traumatic Yeah, how does that event. change you? No, I mean, I remember like vividly calling like my dad, like I called like my kid's mom like crying. I was like, get him out of school. And she's like, Casey's fine. Yeah. He's fine. Now like I called my dad and my dad was like, it's time to come home. It's time to come back to Connecticut. And I just remember like being like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, how dare you? Like, yeah. no, I'm like coming back. And then I called the, the husband of the cousins that we lived with because he was sort of a mentor. And he was like, it's time to come back. And I was like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. And I was like, no, this is it. Like, I can make it through this, then I'm good. Like, I'm good. Yeah. Huh. My, and then uh, that was when yeah. I got like the SRO and like I started to figure it out after mm-hmm. that. Like, it started to make sense after that. Yeah. My, uh, my brother was, I was in high school at the time. I was going to high school, Baruch College Campus High School. So I was up on 23rd. Yeah. My brother was going to middle school. There's a middle school a couple blocks away from the trade center. And he was like calling, he was like calling my parents because all the kids got to use the payphone to like call home and like looks out the window and he sees people jumping out and hitting the ground. Mm. And I always think about that for him specifically. Like imagine having a little anxiety as a kid 
and then seeing a literal worst case catastrophic yeah. situation happen in formative years of your life. Sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Like how that can affect you. How do you get past that? How do you yeah. I think about your brother a couple times a year with that story. That would be the most, I don't know how you overcome that, man. Yeah. I just remember don't. the energy that day. Like I remember they, they wouldn't let us leave school. And then when we didn't know, the first thing was we thought we were being attacked. Like I thought yeah. there was going to be an army of some country, I don't know who the fuck, like walking through the streets. And I was like, do we get guns? Like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, the, you can't even comprehend. Yeah, planes flew into the building. Yeah. It just wasn't at any part of our culture on that purpose, these like suicide attack, bombers would yeah. exist. Yeah, it just, it, it was incomprehensible. And then my friend Carlos shows up to school and he goes, he goes, he shows up late. And he had one more lateness before they called his parents. And uh, he showed up late and he's like, Please don't call my parents. Uh, and <laughs> principal, the teachers were like, "We, this is your final lesson. He goes, no, you don't understand. Like, I saw a plane go and hit the World Trade Center. That's why I'm late. <laughs> they were buying his excuse. They were going to do better than that. Yeah. Bro, and it was just like, and then once we found out, we're like, and you still came to school? It was just this, like, crazy collection of events. You guys have actually all met Carlos. He came to the oh, Radio yeah, City yeah, show. Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, just an unbelievable day, man. Yeah. What um, was the energy like in the city following that? Like, the two weeks after? There were, like, fucking oh, tanks. There weren't tanks, but there were... Humvees, like up armored Humvees, military. It was just wild. I just like that night, the night of September 11th. Ooh, quiet. It's quiet. It was like, it, my, I've only been scared twice in my life. Like the only time in my life, I can only remember like laying in bed being genuinely scared. And that was one of those times, like only twice, my whole fucking life. I've slept at 21,000 feet. Like I've slept in the death zone. I've slept in fucking Afghanistan during the war where like we get woken up out of bed and we have to go climb into concrete tubes because the base is being attacked. Like I've been in some fucked up situations before. And like something on the streets of Prague with Dean, like I've been in some fucked up situations and not like nothing, no fear whatsoever. Why that night? Um, because like, if you remember the F-16s? Fucking trying to fall asleep. <laughs> Super low flying F 16s and just the uncertainty. You're like, where does this end? There's no internet, there's no Twitter. That's the other thing. All you have is New York One and fucking CNN. And the way that we reflect on it, it's like, here are these five isolated attacks and then it's over. But at that point, we didn't no, know no, no, it was no. over. No, you have no idea. You, it could All continue. planes are grounded. You know, you've got. It, but you hear an F 16, you're like, wait a minute, is that the, the next plane that's, that's going to hit a fucking building? Or are they shooting something down? It's like, how do we get out of wow. the city? My roommates that were like, don't leave, don't leave, we didn't hear from them for five days. I was that's, just about to ask what happened to them. They wow. found, So what happened was the fire department was doing door to door. They found them because um, after the buildings fell, all that broken glass just turned into dust. Also, keep in mind, like, they, for everybody watching at home, it's like the area that you were in is ground. Ground zero yeah. adjacent. It's very so right. you're so get, we're up against the World Trade Center. Yeah. yeah. So you're getting hit by the dust. They got they got trapped. And their windows yeah. are already broken. broken in. Yeah. So, so the fire debris. department pulled them out, put them on a boat yeah. that brought them to a school in New Jersey. But they didn't have cell phones or anything. So like they yeah. called their loved ones, their parents, but it wasn't like we were calling their parents. So we yeah. said no. Yeah. And we finally figured out they were fine. But like God. Like there's no like thank God I left. Yeah, that, that day was so scary for me because I was in school, high school in uh, Broad Channel, which is on Rockaway, but it's right against the water, and yeah. we can actually see the World Trade. Like oh, we fuck. can see the buildings. Yeah, mm. and I know my mom worked really close. She worked in the courts, and so that day I couldn't get a hold of her at, at all. all. Yeah, oh, and then the trains were shut down, yeah. and it's like yeah. by train, it's like an hour and a half just to get to Rockaway. Sure. So like 
I eventually I finally got in contact with my mom maybe at 9 p.m. at night. Yeah. She had to walk across Brooklyn Bridge, yep. walk all through um, Brooklyn. I think she wasn't able to get into a car until maybe like Rockway Boulevard, but she didn't get home till 11 p.m. that <sighs> night. And you and didn't, you didn't, you hadn't heard from her. Oh, no. yeah. So many she people like home, that. Like, you covered, just had no clue. Covered in soot, like yeah. everything. Like, I will say though, that. now like we're 22 years later. Yeah. It's like, when people want to like, when you need to show your like, because you're born and raised here, but like when people need, are you a New Yorker or not? Oh, yeah. I just pull out that 9-11 card. Yeah. You are a fucking New yeah. Like, yeah. If you like, that is just like the bond that that created with the city. Intense. Intense. There's Intense. A, there's, a, there's a great story that I heard. So on 9-11, 2001, I've probably told this before. There were the unbelievable. Say again. Oh, I thought you were talking about Jay Z's. Yeah, no, no, no. One of the greatest albums. Yeah, no, no, no. This is, a, but also another yeah. incredible. So, <laughs> so uh, a few hits that day. No, uh, <laughs> uh, no so, uh, so there was unbelievable waves that day. So all the New York City diehard oh, surfers about this. went out to Rockaway, mm. and they surfed perfection, six foot. Barrels, clean offshore winds, see. and that's the other thing. If you actually look at the towers and the way that the wind is blowing off the towers, the wind is blowing to Brooklyn, yep. right? And that's why Brooklyn was actually a little bit affected by some of like the dust and stuff. So, the wind, and that means it's offshore for the island. So people are out Rockaway, they're out, and a lot of these surfers took the train out to Rockaway. So they have the best surf session that they can possibly imagine. They're like, nothing can go wrong. <laughs> this is the greatest day of my life. I've got the best waves of my life. And they get out of the water, they look, and they try to get on the sub, but they can't, and then they see in the distance <laughs> the smoke coming off. Yeah. Think about that. Think about the euphoria you're experiencing after surfing. I mean, obviously, you know, but anybody who surfs has known, like, you come out of the pool, you come out of the ocean, it's like, yeah, cloud nine. Cloud nine. You were just floating. You were just in heaven. Yeah, and then seeing that and finding out and then not being able to get in touch with anybody, not being able to get back to the city, Ooh, not being able to get to speak to your parents, your brothers, your kids. Like, My brother-in-law went to school downtown, had to run across a Brooklyn Bridge. And then he had like a couple of friends fall, but he was in good shape back then. He was on the basketball team. So he'd have to like go back and pick them up and carry them as however he could and like help them get across. It was a fucking insane thing. Yeah. And then he was a senior, so I don't even think he had a graduation because it was just like, <laughs> you're not... But you're not doing school. I thought, I thought yeah. this was a comedy podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll find some comedy in 9-11. Don't, you don't forget that Jay-Z thing. We had that. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> you know who had the blueprint? <laughs> Al-Qaeda. No. Uh, no uh, but yes, okay, so you go through this uh, traumatic event. It's the only thing in your life that fucking scares well, you. What was the other time you were scared? I don't want to skip too far ahead. No, like when my daughter was sick. My baby daughter was sick. There was a moment, and it was like, that eclipsed everything else. But she's fine. Yeah. But it was like... Kids will fuck you up. Uncertainty and a thing that you can't control. Both events. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know, it, it, you come across to me as someone who I feel as if you believe that you can control most situations or get yourself out of most situations. So yeah. like, and you'll put yourself in quite naughty, almost devious situations, knowing that like I can probably wiggle my way out of here. Look, if you were stuck in like a Thai prison for smuggling heroin, you can call me. I'll fucking get <laughs> yeah, you out, yeah, one yeah, way yeah. or another. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you out. But most people, they won't put themselves in these kind of like. Even watching the Oscars video, you're kind of just exploring. We had a lot of trouble for that. But most people wouldn't even put themselves back there because they go, oh, what if they kick me out? I, I'd get embarrassed, and you know, people. Do you know what happened? I don't think we showed in the video. No, what happened? 
So we had passes and we had tickets to sit, but they gave us media passes so we could have, the only reason why we had those passes is so we're at the Academy Awards, it just meant we were allowed to have cameras. Mm -hmm. They issued the wrong passes to us. So our passes not only did that, but when you put them up to the security gates, it oh. said we had un, we had the same degree of access as the official Academy Award cameraman. <laughs> so you could we were allowed to... in places that Brad Pitt was not allowed. This wow. is great. And the, I remember the moment where it was like we pushed it too far. After you win your Academy Award, they take you to this like winner's room up in an elevator and it's this like small bar as big as your studio here and it's yeah. just the people who have just won. It's a place to decompress before you go talk to the media and all. And I'm in there. <laughs> <laughs> and sounds cool, but there was a little bit like once I realized what was going on that I was like, I was Meryl like- Meryl Streep's just looking at you like, what the fuck is they this were all, guy like, doing that's what it, But I was like, you know, I didn't earn this. And I just bounced, like I left. Because mm. I was like, maybe someday, and I, awards are not part of my goal sure. or dream in life, but someday. Yeah. But the point was everybody in there had earned it. And I was like, I'm a fucking interloper right now. I didn't use any of the footage from up there, even though I have it, and it's fucking by, nuts. By earned it, do you mean like you didn't? I didn't win an Academy Award. And I, oh, I had okay. cheated my way into this room. But they also blew Harvey Weinstein to get in there. So like, <laughs> it's maybe, true, but that's I, not what they got the award for specifically. The, 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 that's that's okay, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, distinction yeah, yeah. was vivid there. Yes, yes, um, okay. That was his buying the camera, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what the fuck were you asking me? We were talking about blowing <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was the other Damn. blueprint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even Brad Pitt, bro. No, Shit. No. <laughs> so, yo, you know what Brad had to yeah. do to get on. Yeah. But uh, no, no, we were talking about how you don't, uh, most people in these situations, rooms they're maybe not supposed to be in, uh, caution tape they're not supposed to pass, they won't. And it's not always like a fear of what will happen. It's specifically a fear of like embarrassment of being kicked out. Right, do you, that just doesn't register for you at all. Yeah, but it's also sh maybe. But I like, think what are you thinking? Like, it's more of just like a, 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 a. It comes down to agency, and it's like, you know, like my whole life, it was like, do as you're told, follow the rules, and everything will be fine. And you just realize as you get older, that's a fucking lie. Hmm. Everyone I know that was well behaved in high school, that got the job, that did, they get fucking laid off. Yeah. We're downsizing, fuck you, you're out. Like everybody uh, who does that. So it's like my whole life, it's like there's always been a million sheep going in that direction. Everybody's saying get in line with the sheep. But the more I step out of that, the more, the success. more success I have, the more happiness I find in everything I do. So like once you realize that, and then you start to understand the parameters of the universe, you just start to see everything through that lens. Like a good example is yesterday. You run on the west side? Yeah. You know, on like 14th Street, it's all fucked up because of the construction. And there's like, there's a bike path and a running path and they mash them together uh, at this bottleneck. Yeah. And on a nice, warm, sunny day, it was like dangerous and shit. But the construction doesn't happen on Sunday. And I'm looking at thousands of people and like a biker's yelling at me. And I just walk, I stop, pause my watch. I walk over, I open the fucking gate to where the construction is. And now I have my own path. Hmm. For a mile, that's like, yeah, it's a little fucked up. You had to jump over some rebar, but I have my own path. And as I'm running down this path and I'm watching all these people putting themselves at risk and like running into bikes, I'm like, not one of you fuckers, not one of you saw this right here and Ooh. thought to yourself, there's another way, there's a safer way, there's a better way. You just got in line with all the sheep. That's dope. 
So I think it's just like, it, it comes down to agency. It comes down to like a willingness to look at the situation and forget about the right way or the way you were told, but just say, what's the best way? Hmm. The way you're supposed That's to do it is to stay in the apartment yeah. right now. And it's like, okay, but says who? And it's like a very Jobsian philosophy is that like the world is just created by people that are no smarter than you. Mm. You grow up and you realize, no, like most of the people that make the rules are fucking idiots. You ever seen mm. an interview with Ted Cruz? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He makes the rules that we are supposed to live by. Yeah. Like these are the people making the rules. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't, like I believe in rules and I believe in laws and I think they keep society safe for the most part. If it's yellow, like, you can just push the gas and go right through it. Yeah, has that ever gotten you in trouble? Yes, my license is suspended right now. <laughs> okay, now you have kids. Yeah. You want your kids to do as you tell them, but at the same time, you don't want to raise children that are sheep. It's fucking so much easier said than done. So I, my older daughter is, she's challenging, really independent thinker. She's a fighter. She's Which gnarly. Which you like and you admire, but it must drive you fucking crazy. It's tough. It's tough to bear. But my little daughter is an angel. She behaves so much, but but every once in a while, we leave the two of them alone, and we'll hear them fighting. And my older daughter is just like, you know, she's eight, and the little one's four. She's outsmarting her. She's manipulating the little one. She's bullying the little one. And my, I'm like, I got to go. And my wife's like, let them figure it out. And like, you just hear things get quiet, and then you just hear, ah! And the older one comes running out. And the little one just snapped, beat the shit out of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. And it's a little bit like, well, yeah. the kid's gonna be all right. Yeah. Yeah, the kid's gonna be all right. Yeah. So no, as a parent, it's challenging. But like, I don't know, like my, my son, who's like a fucking angel 4.0, like graduated college. Yeah. I mean, this kid had a fucked up upbringing. Yeah. Like the most fucked up upbringing. Like parents separated from really early age. One lived in New York, one lived in Connecticut. Yeah. Never knew where his home was and like, he and I like lived on my, before we lived on my grandmother's couch, we lived in like the attic of my dad's office yeah. where we like pinned up sheets to try to build a room. And it was like uninsulated attic of this old ass building. And like we were like, we were like proper homeless. It was mm. fucked up for like a number of years. But he like, the kid's a star. Like, like, like graduated college, did everything right. He's like in fucking Indonesia right now on a yoga retreat. Yeah. He's like doing his thing. Mm. So it's like yeah, parenting is this very malleable, mushy, gooey thing. And my biggest fear is like growing up, raising a kid who thinks that the way to success is following the rules and doing as they're told. But then I parent them to follow the rules and do as they're told. And I don't know the answer to any of these questions. There's yeah. a, uh, I, I won't say the person's name. I'll tell you afterwards. But he said something interesting. He had like kind of rough uh, relationship with his pops. And... Um, his his father said to him, he's a very successful dude, and his father goes to him, uh, yeah, but look how successful you are. See, this is what happens. Yeah, it was tough on you, but look how successful you are. And he said an interesting thing. He goes, uh, I was successful despite you. Yeah. yeah. I would have been successful no matter what. It'd be nice if I got some fucking love, mm. but don't think you made me successful by being shitty to me. Yeah. You don't get that credit. Mm. Yes. I thought that was fire. It's yeah, and it's tough because like my entire life, I'm 42 now, my entire life is just a vendetta against my seventh grade vice principal. <laughs> Who you will say by name, right? His name is Trent Alexopoulos. He's yeah. still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Wait, you want him to watch this. Yeah. Well, what did Trent do? He's just a fucking fuck. And if I ever saw him this day, I would call him out on it. Now, he said something to you that was fucked. What was it? I mean, he said a bunch of things that were fucked to me, but like, 
you know, the thing that he said to me most, he was like, you're either gonna be working at a gas station or you're gonna be in prison. You know, like saying that to a little kid. It's crazy. And I'll tell you now that like, I work with a lot of kids, I've volunteered a lot, I've like, I've got kids, fucking love kids. Like the most, you don't say that to a kid, to a 12 year old, even that 12 year old's fucked up. You don't say that. Yeah. You lead them, you guide them, you fucking motivate them, you inspire them. Even if they're tough, like you figure it out, you be tough with them. But you don't fucking disparage in the way that they used to fucking disparage me. And I say that, it was like him, and I remember like my guidance counselor, same bullshit, just like putting me down and putting me down and like, cause I was acting out. Yeah. And like the, the, the antithesis of that, the fucking furthest end of that spectrum is like Dr. Lou Gabordi, my 10th grade, 9th grade, 9th grade uh, English teacher. Like I remember like when I dropped out of school and I just stopped going to school, my sister got in touch with me and she's like, look, Mr. Gabordi, before he was a doctor, before he got his PhD, she's like, Mr. Gabordi says, if you show up for the final, he'll pass you. And I was like, I'm not going back to school. And she comes back a few days later and she's like, look, he says, if you show up any day this week, because there's no school that week, he'll pass you. And I went in and I sat there and I just remember he was like, he like put the final in front of me, did my best. I don't know, he probably gave me a C minus and he just was like, what's wrong with you? And like, I couldn't answer. And he like pushed me and he was like, what's going on? And I just start, broke down and started crying. Wow. But like, I'll never forget. He gave you some time. Yeah. He was interested in you. He cared. Yeah, he cared. So fuck Trent Alexopoulos. Do you think part of your <laughs> excitement to have a kid was to be a better parent than all these people were for you? Even if they weren't parents necessarily? I mean, maybe, but probably not. All right, well, I had a fun theory for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would make sense. That'd be a neat little bow to put on it. But I, no, I never thought in those terms. Mm-hmm. I never oh. thought in those terms. After like 30 detentions and like six suspensions, do you sound like a difficult-ass kid? Yeah. It wasn't easy. <laughs> I invented some fun games, too. Like, Pass the Stapler was one of my well, greatest how games. How do you play that? Um, I mean, he's a pretty difficult adult, by the way. So Pass, the, pass cool, the Stapler... Man. It was pass the stapler and take one and pass it down. What we do is like in the middle of class and the teacher is teaching the lesson, you just take the stapler and you just pass it to someone. And then someone would say, you pass me a stapler. And we would keep that going the whole class. So funny. And the teacher wouldn't know. But do you know how fucking funny that is? (laughs) No one needed the stapler. I want to interview Trent (laughs) Alexopoulos or whatever it is. And I can't wait for him to be like, yeah, the kid told me his dream was to work in a gas station <laughs> and to go to jail. I just believed in the fucking kid. Yeah, I bought weed him from him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought jail was an option here. <laughs> All right, guys, let's take a break for a second because there's a lot of you out there that are small business owners. Your business is shipping stuff and you're getting absolutely demolished on these shipping prices and ShipStation has got your back. It's going to save you money, make you profitable. Here's how they're going to do it. Very simple, Okay. ShipStation gives you access to discounts of up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates, and you can manage every order from one simple-to-use dashboard. I'm telling you this is the easiest thing that you've ever done, especially if you're taking orders from multiple places, right? We've been taking more orders from multiple places, and in order to organize them all, send them all out, ShipStation has been absolutely fantastic. And then on top of that, you take advantage of the best rates Crazy discounts, no brainer. If you're shipping things with your business, you have to try ShipStation. ShipStation hooks you up with the industry-leading discounts so you'll never worry about overpaying for shipping and all your shipping is handled in a single dashboard. ShipStation effortlessly integrates everywhere you sell online, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Shopify, and more. And again, you get that 84% off USPS and UPS rates. And that's not enough, listen, 
If you use our promo code to ShipStation, you're going to get it for free for two months. Think about that right there. Worry less about the bottom line when you save money with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com. Use the code FLAGRANT to sign up today for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com. Code FLAGRANT. Now let's get back to the show. All right, guys, we're going to take a break for a second because some of y'all are in debt and you need to pay that off and PDS debt has got your back. Okay, how many of you wish that there was a better solution to pay off your debt? PDS Debt has customized zero interest options for anyone struggling with credit cards, personal loans, collections, or medical bills. With rising interest rates and the cost of living at all time high, now is the time to finally take initiative with your debt. Stop waiting and start saving with your own custom debt savings options from PDS Debt. PDS Debt is giving our qualified listeners a free debt savings analysis just for completing the 30-second online debt assessment at pdsdebt.com flagrant. You'll receive a full breakdown on how to save on interest each month and the quickest way to take care of your debt. Listen here, if you're making payments every month on your debt and your balances aren't going down, this program is for you. PDS Debt rolls all of your payments into one low zero interest monthly payment, okay? Everyone with $10,000 or more in debt qualifies and there is no minimum credit score required, bad and fair credit accepted. Save thousands of dollars in interest and fees. Pay off your debt in a fraction of the time. So, PDS Debt is offering free debt analysis to our listeners just for completing the quick and easy debt assessment at www.pdsdebt.com slash flagrant. That's pdsdebt.com slash flagrant, p-d-s-d-e-b-t.com slash flagrant. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so far we've talked about struggle. A lot of struggle. A lot of struggle. When do you taste success? And more importantly, do you know what to do with it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was like the first gig that, that we ever got, it was Van and me. It was, it was never just me. It was Van and me. The first gig was like this kind of fancy art collector. Um, his name's Tom Healy. I credit so much of my, my what I've been able to do in life to him and his omnipotence. He's just this wonderful human being, very close to them to this day. His husband was turning 50. And he was like, I want to make a birthday video for my husband. We're going to play it at his as birthday dinner. And I was like, well, I can do that. Van and I, yeah, we can nail that for you. And he's like, great, let me know how much it costs. So Van and I met and we're like, it probably costs us like, we're gonna need four DV tapes um, and maybe a new tripod. So that's like, it's gonna cost us like 90 bucks to make. So what do we charge him? And we decided on $5,000 because if he said he'd give us a thousand, we're like, that's a win. Yeah. So we're like, we can do it for five, and he's like, done. Just to give you some context, the dinner was at Le Cirque. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that is less than like he's dropping that on a bottle. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like he's dropping that on a bottle, no question. Um, very, very wealthy couple. Um, Fred had built a hundred million, multiple hundred million dollar businesses. With very. So then he's like, "Great, here are the list of people to interview, and just call these names, and we'll set up those interviews." And the list of people to interview were like Bill Clinton, no. like heads of state, wow. like fucking business. And then they're like, "Oh shit!" And we like knocked that out of the park. Like Bill Clinton was the best. Wait a minute, you got to interview Bill? Yeah, and that was he had just left the White House. He was at his office in Harlem, and I remember we went up there. We had this really fucking funny idea. Um, Fred, the guy whose birthday it was, he ran a company called Lily and Vernon. Lillian Vernon was the biggest mail order catalog in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It was his mother. Mm. He built that company. Mm. Um, 
and she was a huge donor to Bill Clinton. So what we, our idea was that we give him a t-shirt to Bill Clinton, to President Clinton, that says, Lillian, Fred Hochberg turned 50 and all I got was this stupid t-shirt from Lillian Vernon. That's great. But we get there and his handlers are like, you wanna do what now? And we're like, we have an idea. And they're like, no ideas. You can give me your script. And I was like, what do you mean script? And she's like, the script we received is it says, happy birthday, Fred. I can't believe you've made it to 50. That's what we've approved. You have a different script? And we're like, nope, we'll do that. That's fine. She's like, okay. And she was very tough with us. Yeah. She leaves. Game time. Yeah. It's Her laptop's open. <gasps> Teleprompter's up. Oh, wow. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, delete, delete everything. <laughs> this wow, is exactly what dude. I'm talking about. Not thinking about quit, the repercussions of your actions. Shut everything down. He comes in and he sits down. We're like, well, good to see you, Mr. President. And we like sit down. Secret Service is like, these fucking guys. Who the fuck are we? had this little rinky dink camera. Yep. We didn't have a teleprompter. She yep. had to have their teleprompter. And she's sitting there. I just remember her like. You're interviewing the president on the camera you bought. When you were flat broke yeah, at like 16 yeah, yeah, years yeah. old. We didn't, have, we didn't have a lavalier mic. We just had the onboard. And she's like, I'm sorry, Mr. President. And he's like, Jessica, I got to get out of here. And I was like, Mr. President, I have an idea. And like went right at him. And I just remember like, I remember Secret Service like jumping up at yeah, me. Yeah. And like I like run across my hand out. And I was like, here's the idea. And I was like, we made you this. And he's like, boys, I love it. That's You're great. recording? And we're like, yep. And he like one hit, one take wonder, fucking nails it. But the video was like a big hit at the dinner. Yeah. Like we played the dinner, everybody fucking loved it. It's the fun. president was there, he loved it. Like it was everyone. I, I need to that pause. Is so because dope. this is something that you yeah. keep doing in your life and it's very intriguing to me. It's a really good The point. moments where you could get in trouble or you're doing something naughty, there could be repercussions, you could be spanked, you just go for it. Constantly. Do you think at all in that moment what could happen if this doesn't go right? No. You're just so locked into what could happen if it goes, if it does go right. I never think about if it goes wrong. There's never even a, never even a consideration. Okay. That's never even a, there doesn't even exist. I'm not lying to you, that's a superpower. Okay. Okay. It doesn't even, there's no, that doesn't even exist. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, what a huge competitive advantage. And you've just always had that your whole life? Yeah. Okay, I mean, so yeah. you get Clinton, Clinton, all-time charisma guy or what? Like oh walks God. in and I mean, just, this is when he was like young and oh, like, holy, the his, this swagger, he had just left the office. Yeah. He just left the office. And if you remember, like, remember what a big deal it was that he had his office in Harlem? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Harlem yeah. was like coming up yeah. then, yeah. it was yeah. beautiful. And like, he loved it and it brought down the house. So was he there for the yes, actual birthday yes. too? Yes, Oh, so everybody's coming up to him, yeah, that's so hilarious. Yeah, you were the hit of the movie, the whole yeah. thing. And then like, you know, Tom, because he's so great, like he introduced us to the whole party as these are the guys that made the video. Um, and it was a lot of art people there. And a lot of these art collectors come, they're like, what do you do? Like, what are you guys doing? And then Van and I were like, we went into the fine art world and we started making videos and then calling them fine art. Mm. Um, and we didn't know. We're like, sure, why the fuck not? And we did make a lot of videos that I think are now art, but we didn't know what we were doing. Mm. And we would just make them because it's all we could afford to make. Like we did one, it was like a really close up video of building a little log cabin, if you can imagine out of matchsticks, but we're building it on top of an electric burner. So at some point in time, the whole thing's gonna combust. Mm. And it was this beautiful thing, which is another one where it's like, if you take mothballs and you put them in vinegar, the mothballs sink, but then bubbles go on them and then they rise, the bubbles pop and then they fall mm. and they start dancing, art. And we did a bunch of those. We learned all of those from a book called Mr. Wizard's World's Science Experiments You Can Do at Home. Great book. 
Huh. And we made them wow. and we called that series of videos science experiments. Great title. And we, <laughs> like an art gallerist was like, I'd like to show that. Hilarious. And he showed it at Miami Art Basel, like yeah. 2002 <laughs> or 2003, whatever. And um, it was like a big hit. And we like sold them. We like sold limited edition DVDs. You're the first NFT. Yes. Yeah. You fucking created NFTs. And we sold like, and then we took stills from it and blew them up. Yeah. And we sold those. And like where we got the money to like blow up those sales, that same like wonderful, incredible human being, Tom Healy, was like, I will bankroll your art career. And he did. And we did an art show at his house. And like people like came and saw our pictures and our, and they bought those. And this wasn't a lot of money, but this was like enough Enough to money. keep it going. Yeah, and I remember then like this is when we got a studio. This was 2002, I think, maybe 2003. We got a studio that I'm in now to this day. And we went in there and I was like, I can afford $500. And she was like, let me show you you can get for $500. And I remember it was like this little old Chinese woman because it's in Chinatown. And she had toilet paper coming out of her like panties going down and like attached to her foot. And like the person that I was with, Tom Healy, was like looking at these places, he just kept nudging me. And I'm like, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to tell her. Right. And she showed us all these spaces and they were all awful, no windows. Yeah. And she's like, I have one with windows. And she showed it to, me, to us, it was three times the budget. And Tom was like, Tom Healy was like, you have to take this place. And I was like, if we take this place, we have 30 days until we're completely out of money. And he's like, you'll figure it out. And I was hmm. like, okay. So he like co-signed the lease, got the place. So the one time you thought about consequences, a guy next to you was like, don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was also just like, it was, it was less about the consideration of the consequences, more just yeah. being practical. It yeah. was like, I'm not, you know, like, I was thinking 500 bucks and we're good for like three yeah. or four months to figure yeah. out how to make our next dollar. And we had 30 days. And it was like, fuck or fight, man. It was like guns at the back of your head. What are you going to do? Yeah. And? If I can figure it out. How'd you figure it out? That's when like we started selling those paintings. We started yeah. doing like, turn that into something else, making more art. People liked the art. Can you do a video project for me? Yeah. I mean, like we started doing videos. Like I want to work for Nike. I want to work for this brand. Like remember Truth, the yes. anti-smoking campaign yeah. that was like big in the early 2000s? Yeah. Like they wouldn't hire us. We just started making our own truth videos. Hmm. Like companies that we wanted to work with that would never hire us. We just would make the fucking commercials and put them on our website and pretend that they had hired us. That's how I got my first job for Nike. The Nike video is fantastic. But the Nike video you're talking about happened 10 years later. No. So you made the fake, you make a fake Nike. A whole bunch of fake Nike videos. That's how Nike first learned about us. And the first Nike video I ever got was like a guy who had like a tiny discretionary budget. And he's like, I like your fake Nike videos. We're doing a little meetup in the East Village. Would you make a video for that meetup? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll make that. And it was like a- Where was the meetup? I don't remember. This was like 2005, 2006, but it was at a bike store. Go, 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 go. They were doing like an event. And we made them, I made them this like five minute Nike video and they played it there. And like, believe me, from that moment forward, when people were like, what do you do for a living? I was like, I make Nike commercials. <laughs> so you become commercial success, commercially successful. In my head, in reality, I had made one $5,000 Nike video. <laughs> yeah. but, was, it, was it scratching the creative itch? Like, it's not filmmaking, but it is. Yeah, I mean, the idea that someone would pay me to do anything with yeah. a camera yeah. is so, I mean. Mind-boggling. Yeah, like yeah, someone's gonna write you a check to tell a joke. Yeah, like, that crazy. is, yeah. when your whole life, yeah. you're like, no, 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 I will literally pay yeah. to do, like, I used to drive around to deliver VHS tapes of my videos so people would watch them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like, so, it was amazing. And like that just picked up momentum. Like there was just one opportunity led to another and there were ups and downs. There were times when Dan and I would get like, I remember we got a Microsoft job when they were trying to compete with YouTube. Yeah. And it was 200,000, maybe it was $100,000, but it was something outrageous. Mm. And we knocked it out of the park. 
and it was like a home run. They put it on like their Microsoft version of YouTube at the time, yeah. so we saw it. But it was like that, we were fucking flush. Yeah. Wow. We moved into better apartments, I remember I went out to eat a bunch of times, and like four months later, it was like, well, what the fuck are we gonna eat now? Yeah. You know, so it was like that went on for a very long time. Did you ever have any failures in that strip? Like I someone mean, hit you up, you do the commercial, and they're kind of yeah, like, yeah. And it depends on how you define failures. I remember like we got a music video, and I remember like went to task to land this music video. Like I did everything I could. It was on Easy E's label. It was like this cool rock band they were bringing up. We like, I did everything. And the shoot was a fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. And the video objectively sucked. Like we just, it sucked. We did not do a good job. And then, and that just, that hurt. And then on top of that, the producer stole all of the budget. Oh. He's some two-bit fucking producer from, from like North Carolina, Virginia, where we shot it. And it was like, he stole the whole budget. And like, that was tough. And how did you, the next time you have your next job, not reminisce on the pain and not fear feeling oh, I mean, that? I was like... No, it was like fucking fuck or fight. What are they? Go back to Connecticut, wash dishes. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like okay. So, at what point do you guys turn the camera on yourselves? When do you invent vlogging? Do people know that you guys invented that? No, I don't think. I mean, they know that you're the most popular person, but I truly believe that style of filmmaking. Yeah, well, what was interesting is like, so our HBO show, which, yeah. is, which was kind of like the first really like Version of cataclysmic it, yeah. break for us. That was the first like truly life-changing and how the HBO yeah. show came together is we had met a bunch of people. One of the people we met was this super cool guy. You know Nantucket Nectar's the juice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like yeah. Tom and fancy, Tom, the juice the guys. Yeah. Well, a different guy, not the Tom from the art career earlier, this guy named Tom Scott, another just incredible human being, had just sold that company for a lot of money. And he started a small like cable access TV channel. And he's like, make content for us. And we're like, hell yeah. And he was like, I'm opening up a cable access in Aspen, Colorado. Will you go to Aspen and make videos about it? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll go there and make videos about it. And he gave us a budget of 20,000 bucks and he wanted 10 videos for $20,000, which were like, fuck, that's wonderful. The only thing we knew about Aspen is what we learned from the movie Dumb and Dumber. Um, so instead of going to Aspen and making videos, we bought a 1985 Ford Econoline van and two mini bikes that we put in the back and we drove there and we made a video that was like a fucking dumb and dumber video of us traveling there. Like the, there's all these little vignettes, like at the beginning, how to fucking cheat the DMV to register a car that has no business being registered. (laughs) Then like car breaks down the highways. We go to our mini bikes, like just this wild adventure. We had... And he was like, gave us no creative parameters, except he's like, look, this is a respectable channel. Please be responsible here. So we called it the responsibility tour. Maybe we called it the respectability tour. I don't remember. Van says it's the greatest thing we ever made together. (laughs) But that was effectively vlogging. It was like really in its infancy. And he loved that we made that, even though no one on his cable access channel had any fucking clue what to do with it. Are you familiar with the term gonzo journalism? Yeah, we were big. I'm a huge fan of Hunter Thompson, like huge. I've read every one of his books. That's what I... Yeah. We went there, like, he was still alive the first time we went there. And it was like, didn't get to meet him, tried. But, like, Hmm. that was, like, he was a big part of that and why we were doing that. Putting yourself and making yourself, you know, the the forefront of what you're writing about and experiencing it. And I think that's what you guys have done with vlogging so brilliantly. Yeah, use your experience as sort of the catalyst for the Did you guys kind of realize through shooting yourself that you're more interesting than a lot of the subjects that you were shooting before? It was more like the only way we, and this is true to this day, the only way I know how to communicate interestingness is by sharing how I experience that interestingness. Yeah. I don't know. 
I can't tell you that that energy drink is good. I can tell you why I like that energy yeah. drink and it'll be compelling, but I can't tell you that it's good. Every time yeah. I tried, I fucking failed. Yeah. Um, but that guy, the, the guy who's the cable access guy loved it. And he was like, let's do something big together. Yeah. And he was thinking of feature film. And Van and I were like, look, all we know how to do is make these little videos. Yeah. So I went to him and I was like, look, give us this much money and it will cover all of our expenses. And for a year, all we'll do is make little videos. And he was like, I don't know what that means, but sure. It was not a lot of money. And that's what we did. And for the year, and like six months into it, I remember he's like, I'm going to bring over a friend to see what you guys have done. And the friend that he brought over was Doug Lyman. Oh, wow. Doug Lyman, who, yeah. who made, you know, Swingers, one of my favorite movies ever, but he also made Born Identity. He's a wildly successful, yeah. huge, big deal filmmaker. And he watches it. And Doug is not an emotive guy. You don't know. And he's watching. Like when he's watching the screen, we're just staring at him. And they're like, he does not like this. And when it's over, he stops and he sort of is quiet. And he turns to Tom, who just bankrolled this shit. And he's like, you've got something here. Oh, wow. Uh, and Van and I were like, what? And he was like, this is a TV show. And we're like, oh, okay. So we started making everything 22 minutes. We put a tail credits. We put a thing at the beginning. And when we had six of those, we went out to LA and we just started showing it to people. And most people were like, what the fuck is this? I remember we met with like one channel and they were like, we could put this on our website. And this is 2007. Yeah, like, nobody looked at a website. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're like, no thanks, that's not right. And so, like FX really liked it. They had just signed, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They had one season, it was a huge hit. We liked FX. They're like, we like it. Like there's something we can do with this. We don't know how we're gonna put this on TV, but maybe. And then we came back and our, our producer, Christine, called and she's like, HBO really likes this. Huh. And we're like, you're fucking kidding me. Wow. Like HBO, like the greatest channel in the this universe. This is 2007. This is Sopranos. Yeah, this Sopranos. is Sex in the City. But also, this is uh, the wire. But also the out, outside wire. of scripted, uh, real sex. This was, their, this was like the salad days. Of HBO. Yeah, but they, they were dabbling in a lot of unscripted content. Yeah. There was docu-style. There was amazing. It, it just, it was so next level what they were putting out. Yeah. Um, so we went back and we met with them. And I just remember like that fucking meeting with them. It was gnarly. Like the, their head of content, like she had a chair like yours and the couch that we sat in was like this, but had no legs. So you sit with your like knees up and you just feel <laughs> small. It's such a fucking LA move. And I remember we get there and her assistant was like, can I get either of you anything before she comes in? And Van was like, ham and cheese omelet, chocolate milkshake. And she was like, I was thinking water. And he's like, that's fine too. Um, <laughs> great, that's great. And yeah, and then they, they bought the show for a couple million dollars. And it was like the greatest thing ever. Insane. Not so much. Then they fired the head of the head of content that bought our show. Yeah. Fired her like a week later. Yeah. They still went through the deal, probably because they had to. Right. The new head of content didn't get our show, shelved it. Yeah. Nobody saw it. So we tell everybody we know we sold it. It's like a big deal. Oh, and they're like, fuck. oh, so it never aired? For two years it didn't air. And then finally, like, we're gonna air it. And they gave us like a zero dollar marketing budget and they aired it on Friday nights at midnight. Mm. And I just remember like Imagine if you could only watch my YouTube video. Imagine if people could only watch this podcast Friday nights at midnight. And if they didn't tune in for that window, they didn't get to see this. Yeah. And it was fucking soul crushing. Mm. It was just devastating. Um, and in that window too, Van and I kind of went our different ways. I wanted to go more commercial. The opportunities at that point in time to really make money were, were 
well, you know, like they were coming from everywhere. Yeah. And I wanted to take advantage of that. Van yeah. was not into that. So he moved to LA to focus on his art. We kind of were like on our own then. Um, and it was tough. I made like another show that was like the HBO show. Um, and I brought it to MTV and they loved it. Like, we want to do this, but we're not sure if it works. Obviously you love your brother a lot and you're still close, but was that a contentious point for y'all? It was tough. It was yeah. really tough. Yeah. It was super, super, super duper really hard. Yeah. Why can you guys create? Like, I don't see you being able to create with anybody else telling you what to do. Why with him does it work? Just because I, he was, there was, I just looked up to him so much. So it was just admiration. It, yeah, completely, completely. Interesting. You know, and so you it, think everyone else sucks? Like. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't oh, trust yeah. my ability to work with anyone else. I think there's, yeah. I recognize talent everywhere, but Van was just sort of a genius. So it was very easy for me to follow. Yeah. But it got to a point where it was like, you know, we're in our 30s, we're still young, but I have a fucking kid. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's fun being broke and young. Like, it's cool. And then, for what it's worth, like when we came back together and got really close again yeah. is when he had a kid. Ah, and he's like, to understand. Yeah, and he, for the first time in his life, he's like, how do, you know, like now it's time for me to figure out how to make a living yeah. off of my creativity. And like, I stepped in and shared with him what I had learned. Right. So it was this really funny sort of full circle yin and yang situation. Yeah. That's very poetic. And like, we're as close now as we've ever been. But it was, it was definitely challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but I brought the show to MTV. They fucking loved it. But they're like, we don't know how this works on TV. And out of that frustration... You did it. Yeah, I just was like, fuck it then. I went on YouTube. And like a year later, my YouTube channel was doing more views in any one 24-hour period than like every fucking Viacom property that was out. Wow. Have, have New Yorkers shared with you how we feel you represented the city? Do you feel like New Yorkers, you kind of feel like ours. I know this is an odd thing to say, but you kind of feel like ours. I appreciate that. Not that we own you, but that's our guy. There's a great moment in a Spider-Man movie that I love. I don't know which one it is. And it's when Spider-Man is on the subway and he's trying to stop the subway from going off of right. like this you know, fake yeah, subway track into the water. And he's shooting these like ropes out and he's basically like- Webs. Or w webs or whatever. Like he's shooting, he's trying to stop the train and he's about to like fall off. And I forget the Doc Doc or something like that is trying to like take off his mask. And all these New Yorkers in the subway step to him because they're like, no, that's our guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I get that, it. like, when you were on your daily vlog grind, and even now, the videos that you put up, I just feel like you've represented the magic of the city so well. And it is fucking magical. And I think that people don't really understand that, like, your community is who you choose it to be. Whether if it's Marlon, the guy who's at the, you know, delivering your packages, or the guy that you meet at the fucking diner. I used to see my father, who I admire more than anything in the world, create a community from nothing. And I think that's the thing a lot of people that don't grow up here don't get. It's you get to cook your community, and it's, you fucking did it. It's impossible to get if you don't experience it. Because when I, we moved to LA, we tried to be with family. That's why we moved. All of our family was in LA. Mm. My brother Van, his kid, his his wife, like my sister, my other brother, my my sister-in-law, their kids, my my in-laws, everyone's in LA in a very small area. But like I, it was like the way I described, I felt like a hollow man. Mm -hmm. I felt like a shell of a human being. I also felt like a fucking Judas when COVID happened that I wasn't here. 
I felt like a fucking like a like I felt like such a two timing like. What do you I mean? Felt, what do you mean by that? No, this is this is interesting. because fucking New York City was shit on, man. Yeah. New York City was shit on during that time, and fuck you. Like I know what the reality of the city was like then, and I had a unique ability to communicate that. Yeah. Like I could have used my I would have used every power every outlet I had mm. to say no 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 everything you're seeing is a fucking lie. Mm. Like we're Marjorie Taylor whatever her name is on fucking yeah. Tucker, talking yeah. about how fucked up this city is, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. That is not what this city is. You wanna know what this city is? Go to any subway station, any subway station in all five boroughs, push your fucking stroller up to the stairs, watch what happens. Mm. Yeah, they'll steal you your will last one. <laughs> you'll last one fucking second in yeah. someone. Yeah. Well, Whether it's like some fucking 300 pound homeless guy, yeah. some old lady, someone's gonna pick up that stroller. Yeah. They're gonna fucking help you. Yeah, of course we got criminals. We have nine fucking million people here. Yes. Some of them are animals. Yes. But this city is like that thing. Yeah. And it's like my affinity that like fucking Tom Hanks and Big, the little kid with the fucking poster, page 57 in my fifth grade social studies book, which was a two page bleed of the New York City skyline yeah. that has never faded. Yeah. My entire cell phone is pictures of the city. Yeah. More pictures of this city than of my children. Yeah. My wife is like, please stop talking about the city. <laughs> but you it's know, all I talk about. Do you know, you know how like uh, they say like uh, immigrants love America more than Americans many yeah, times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel as my even with my, my own mother. Like, and I sometimes it takes someone from the outside to observe the greatness of the city. And you coming here at a young enough age where it could kind of like mold your identity, but still having enough time away from it where you got to like lust over it and oh. dream about it. And I, I still do. Like I, it is like, not Could faded. you do 800 days in a row in LA? No. There's no way, day. right? There's just not that. I, I can't exist. Like my wife right now is like, her in-laws are coming to watch our kids. She's gonna be mad at me when she sees this. And it's like four days, we can go anywhere in the world, Casey, romantic trip. And I'm like, fuck, I gotta leave the city, man. I don't wanna leave. This, yeah. like, it doesn't get better than this. Yeah, when I was a little kid, we go to like, this is the best yeah. city family the world, vacations though. or whatever. And I remember like being on the airplane so upset because we have to go back home and I hated it as a gray and gray. Yeah. This is heaven. Yeah. I wake up every day. I woke up at 4.30 this morning. Yeah. I do it every fucking day, you know why? Right. So I can go run for hours through the city by myself. Yeah. I have a game I play all winter long. The game is to try to get from one end of the Brooklyn Bridge to the other without seeing a single person. Do you know how hard that is? Yeah. <laughs> you know how fucking hard that is? Have you done it? Yes, I did it three times this winter. That morning was the bomb cyclone where it was 20 below oh, zero yeah. and they had warnings about not going outside. Yeah. I fucking ran 10 miles because no one else was on the bridge that yeah, morning. Crazy. In the snow, in the pouring rain, <laughs> like I fucking love it. Yeah. I was out this morning, 13 miles this morning at 4.30 in the morning. This city is like, I like cannot get enough of it. It is like fucking heroin and I want it pumped directly into my veins and it doesn't fade. Like when we moved back here last September and I was riding my skateboard around and it was just like, I was like barely holding it together and like not one person, but like the fourth person that yelled out, the king of New York, as yeah. I went, like the tears were just fucking. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just like on my sunglasses, just trying to hide it. Like I couldn't hold it together, man. Yeah. It is like it is like a woman, a partner, something you've wanted your whole life, and then you just fucking get it, and it's better than you imagined. Yeah. Like there's no word, there's no video I can make that shows you how good this city is. I, like I it's not she's still my. Move, right? it's this guy not loves my, living in a trailer park, so I get it. It's, it's not my course, persistence. Yeah. It's not my anything that I uniquely have. Like everything I have was given to me from the city. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I had nothing when I came here. Fucking nothing. All I had was the twelve hundred dollars in debt. 
$2,400 in debt to my brother's girlfriend for that fucking apartment. That's all I had when I came here. Yeah. Nothing. Everything I have, including my fucked up car, is because of this city. <laughs> what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about New York? Especially for the people that... I, I think it's the, the people. Yeah. You know, it's like Los Angeles is a sunny place for shady people. Mm. And I think New York City is like... People are fucking harsh on the outside yes. and they're so good on the inside. Yes. And personally, I think there's honesty in that trust. Like, yeah, New Yorkers will fucking stab you in the face, but they'll do it while making eye contact with you. <laughs> you know, there's such a truth to that. Yeah. You know what you're getting with people. And when you multiply that to 9 million, like there, there are some people here that were born here. Maybe they don't want to be here. There are some people here that like they're here by chance. I get, but most of the people, especially the people, the fortunate people like all of us that we get to interact with, they're here because they fucking want to be here. Yeah. How many people have you met that was like, I didn't know where I wanted to go after college, so I was just sort of walked by New York City and I was like, yeah, oh, I love living yeah. in a 200 square foot rat infested apartment <laughs> for $3,800 a month. I'm gonna stay here forever. Yeah. No, everybody is like, I fucking fought to be here. That's mm -hmm. the thing that I don't think a lot of people understand when uh, people who aren't from New York, Back they up. criticize like the apartment size and the stuff in New York. They're like, why would I want to live in a 600 square foot apartment with like mice and rats, whatever, and it's like, that's how dope the city is. Yeah. You're willing to live with rats and cockroaches in a tiny apartment that doesn't have an oven because of what's around it. Yeah, Unin I, yeah. unintended conflict. You know, like my apartment was so shitty, the one with the taco, mm -hmm. yeah. that I would just sit on my stoop. I didn't know anybody in the city. I knew one person, my brother Van. He had a girlfriend, I couldn't spend all of his time. I'd sit on the stoop. Guess what happens when you sit on the stoop? People walk by, they say hi, you meet people, you make friends. Yeah. If I had a nice apartment with a TV, I wouldn't have been on the Never stoop. Never met them, yeah. No, the way I describe it, the way when I visualize it in my head is it's like one of those fucking medieval towns or like, cities or buildings with like the tallest fence with a moat with alligators. And if you want to get into that city, you got to swim across that moat and the fucking crocodiles tear off all your clothes. You got to climb that fence. There's arrows being shot at you. You're fucking fucked up. You got to leave everything you've got just to get to the top of that fence. And when you finally fall over on the other side, you stand up and you're like beat up, covered in mud, bloodied. You're stripped naked. You've got nothing. And you're on the inside. And if you can fucking figure it out from there, then you get to be here. Yeah. And that at scale is what New York City, every person you walk by, every fucking waiter, every bartender, every garbage person, like fucking everyone, yeah. every cop, every person you meet is a part of that. Yeah. Fucking Marlon, the delivery guy, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Would you change anything? I mean, I you know, I want I like the subways safe. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're working on it. Yeah, they are. You know, everybody loves to shit on the NYPD. It's like, do you not realize that the only thing standing between us and fucking anarchy is the New York City Police Department? Yeah. Yes, they need to be better. Yeah. With criminal justice, policing, we need to work sure. at that to make it better. Sure. Without them, this is just anarchy. Yeah. But uh no, like it, it's the city to me just I don't ever remember it feeling this good. Really? Yeah, because Bloomberg had it nicer, cleaner, yeah. safer. Yeah. But every cool place we know was chased out and replaced by a fucking Chase Bank and a Dwayne Reed. Yeah. Every one of them. Mm -hmm. But then COVID fucked that up good. Yeah. And now it's a little bit nasty. Yeah. But all those places, all those Dwayne Reeds But we're are used gone. to nasty, that's the thing. I don't like, like nasty. That's not shocking to people who've been here no, for 20, 30 years. No, but now we get the cool years. restaurants, exactly. we get the cool yeah. shops. Like, do you wish Times Square was like seedier? 
I mean, I don't know about 14th Street. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like back in the day, like people were like, oh yeah, Times Square was shitty and there was crime and this neighborhood was run down. Like, do you miss that grittiness? I, yeah. I don't think people realize like how detached New Yorkers are from Times Square. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, it's really not a place that we go to. So like when people go, oh, Times Square isn't what it used to be. It's like, like in the 70s. Like, yeah, I spend more time in Cleveland than I do in Times Square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've Times Square can look however it wants to look. They can put M&M stairs. Like we don't give a fuck. Mm. Yeah, it's like when... It's like when Houston Street charts starts changing, yeah. that's when we're like, whoa, whoa, what's happening over here? Yeah. Or like the Lower East Side so, was this fun little edgy yeah. place, and now it's a little bit more like yuppie and like big high rises and stuff. And I think that's where, that's where there's often like pushback. But another thing I learned, I mean, I grew up in the East Village. Like I saw my neighborhood turnover so much. That was my expectation of New York. Yeah. It was turnover. So I don't, I don't get angry when I see neighborhoods change because I was constantly used to change. Like I saw my neighbor go from like drug haven to Japanese restaurants. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know what those things have in common. They happened fast, I remember. But quick. Quick, real quick. Like sex stores, buy weed, Japanese restaurants. (laughs) Done. So. When we take the kids out, we go almost exclusively to Chinatown. Because Chinatown is kind of like one of the last the only thing that doesn't change. Yeah. And I think it's because like whatever fucking Chinese mafia situation is oh, holding they got it, it down. down. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like, nah, we're cool. Yeah. Like, also, new high rise. Nah, people are afraid to go to go to business there. Yeah, yeah, gentrify somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Like, you yeah, can yeah. open up your fucking bookstore in the East Village or Alphabet City. Don't go near Chinatown. You get fucked up. Yeah. yeah, I love Chinatown. Plus, they're building one of the biggest prisons in the country in China. Central Wait, tombs. Central Central Book is, book they're is tearing the tombs, it down. Yeah. Wait, they're building a new one? No, they're building a mega prison there. For whom? They're fucking getting rid of uh, <laughs> prison or camp. <laughs> what do you mean for, for, for like a holding situation? Yeah. They're they're trying to get rid of or at least marginalize Rikers. Yeah, that's and right. to do that, they're building new fucking. It's not a prison, like a jail in all five boroughs. These mega complexes. So you get the rid one of that we're getting yeah, yeah. is three blocks from here. Which is fine by me. I'd rather if it wasn't, but I get it. The only thing that bothers me is during this five years of construction, it's fucking up all my restaurants, man. Not trying center had to go out of business. Mm. Not trying one says so hang around by a thread. Yeah, the poor guy. Mm. Yeah, there's a there's they're thinking about building a halfway house. This is kind of an interesting thing that's happening in Soho. So I saw that. Before. This is so funny. So in Soho, there's a guy <laughs> who wants to sell his building, and he owns a building in like prime Soho. Okay, and. He wants way over the asking price, and nobody's willing to pay for it. So he's essentially holding his neighbors hostage by threatening to sell his whole building to the city where they will then build a halfway house for violent criminals, rape, murder, assault. Mm -hmm. Now, all of the neighbors who have dumped millions into their Soho lofts are now going, Whoa, 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 what do you mean? Okay, we'll pay you your 60 million even though the buildings were 12 or whatever the fuck it is because the second that halfway house goes up. Goodbye, sir. The greatest deal in all of New York City right now, and it's a risk, it is a loft on fucking Wooster Street. Oh, yeah? They're up right now and they are half the price that they should be because everybody on that street is trying Terrifying. to get out because they think the halfway house is going Terrifying, oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the city wants it. Of they, course. The city is. wants that coverage. They, they like, they can't just keep building, and I have mixed emotions about this, mainly because I'm like a fucking rich white guy who lives in one of these safe neighborhoods, but yeah. like they they can't just be building these homeless shelters and halfway houses in outer boroughs. Like I get yeah. it, it's not fair. Yeah. What's it, 
NIMBY, not yeah. my NIMBY backyard. Not so, my backyard. So, like, so like, cool, why don't we just build one in literally the most expensive real estate per square foot in, in the, the world. world. In the world. The whole and building. We'll <laughs> Imagine way. going from prison to Soho. Yeah. You're having like spritzes at Felix every weekend. You're like, this is the good life. Maybe that does rehab them the best. Yeah, yeah, what if they yeah. see the good life and they're like, I don't want to do crime. I just want to And they can, work, be yeah. 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 they can work in one of the restaurants. They're fucking dishwashing. They meet yeah. people. Who knows? This no, might be turn, turn the whole thing around. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we might have to get into a halfway house. I yeah. might pick up a drug addiction just to fucking pop in there. Prime real estate. <laughs> yeah, Prime dude. real estate. So you'll never leave New York again. You no, I'll fuck, I'm fucking dying here. I am never leaving this city. I love it. I'm never leaving this city. And I'll say that like no regrets about the three years we spent away. Yeah. Because it's like the thing that I like to liken it to is my wife and I, we met and fell in love immediately and then like had a really tumultuous couple of years. We broke up. Like mm. We spent 18 months apart, dated other people. This whole thing. And then we came back together. And we often reflect on the fact that like had we not done that, I don't think we would have realized that like we can't be with anybody else. Mm. Very romantic. And had I not moved away to LA, which is like, oh, the beach, fam, like all these really amazing things, great weather. Um... I don't think I would have appreciated New York as much as I do now. Dude, when we were during the pandemic for four months, we moved down to uh, Miami. And it was amazing. The, the city was so welcoming. People were so incredible there. And uh, I couldn't write a joke, man. And I was like, why can't I write a joke? And it was a really interesting, it was a really interesting just like, um, I guess this awareness I started to have about like where my comedy often comes from. But I needed to be removed from the city to kind yeah, of to get appreciate it. that, yeah. Yeah, so like coming back into it and starting to like feel the things again, like seeing somebody be really upset over something that I didn't think that they needed to be upset about, <laughs> and immediately my brain starts churning. I'm like, ooh, there's the material. There yeah, it is. Yeah. What, what can I antagonize? What can I bother people? And I love Miami, and they fucking welcomed us with open arms, and it was incredible. I don't regret going down at all, but there's something about this city that inspires creation, man. I can't step outside. I, I step outside of an office. It's punched in the face with a story immediately. What like, is a story for you? Anything that's an interestingness in any capacity. Break down a story. Because that's, I think, one of the competitive advantages you have over a lot of the people in your field. And we talked about the first day that we met when we went out surfing. And the, it's the importance of story. And understanding the difference between just an adventure and a story. Yeah, so look, there's there's there are rules in the in in the universe, and like a story is three acts: a beginning, a middle, and an end. You can apply that to anything. You can apply that to Jack and Jill. You can apply that to the fucking Godfather. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's a a setup, a conflict, and a resolution. That is every story that you've ever been told. If it doesn't contain those three parts, it wasn't a story. Setup, conflict, resolution. Yeah, like that's Let's go a, through one of you. That's a cup of water. That yeah. is not a story. I was thirsty. I walked around your space. I got a cup of water. That's a story. Set up conflict resolution. There's just three acts. And so with me, with every movie I make, I try to make sure that that's there. And it's not always as deliberate. Like, I'm not conscious about it. I'm not like, that's a good first act. That's a good like, it's, it's just something much more natural. Mm. But in the same way that I can talk about a cup of water, it's like, once you start thinking like that, it's also like, like when I see my wife after like her fourth glass of wine, she's telling a funny story about something that happened. As she's telling the story, I'm like, no, you're losing them. Not too much emphasis on the setup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the storyteller in me can't be turned off because yeah. I know what a good story is. Yeah. And it's, the story doesn't have to be good. It just has to be told well. 
And that's what I would say. Like, it's not that I live an interesting life. It's just that I, get to, I can tell it really well. What makes a great setup? Um, I think for me personally, it's when you're inviting the audience in on it with you. I know when I'm watching a movie and I feel like I'm part of it, then I'm the most excited to keep going. So the chat GPT video, it's just the last one I uploaded. It's not one of my best videos at all. It's just an average Casey video. The whole point of me reading the script that ChatGPT gave me on a piece of paper, which cost us an extra day because I didn't own a printer. I had to go get one. And for me to show the audience that I'm holding a piece of paper was just to constantly remind you, the viewer, that, hey, man, you and I, you, viewer, me, we're in this together, and we're kind of making fun of this silly AI thing. Yeah. But you and I are in on the joke. You're not outside the joke. If you're watching a movie, if you're hearing a story that you don't get, you feel outside. It's like mm. two friends telling an inside joke. You feel like a dick bag. Mm. Like, why don't I get to be a part? So for me, my favorite kinds of stories are ones that bring you in. It's why like The Godfather is like one of my favorites because I've watched it fucking 7,000 times and I know it. So I'm with them. Like I'm mm. with it. So for me, that's sort of at the core of telling a story. And when I tell stories, it's like, I'm always leaning on my personal experience, but if I can touch on universal, universalities, I don't know if that's a word, universal subject matter that we've all experienced. So like, I think like one of my favorite movies that I've made recently is like um, my marathon movie. That was Even great. If you've never run that before. I had like strangers stop me on the West Side Highway being like, I don't know you, your video made me cry. Mm. And it's about me failing running a marathon. Like I had the worst, I've run 25 marathons. That was my worst race ever. You didn't fail, though. You persevered. You just didn't run it as fast. That's right. Yeah. I did not achieve my objectives. I finished because I'm not a fucking asshole. <laughs> um, but like that movie, as I'm editing that movie, especially because it did not turn out as I expected, I wanted it to be this movie of triumph, like where I finally achieved a goal I've been trying to achieve for 25 attempts. As I'm making it, I'm like, you know what? The struggle, as I'm going through all my first, I'm like, the struggle is so much more interesting than the victory. Because mm. we've all been there. Mm -hmm. We've all had our asses kicked before. Not everybody has run a really fast marathon. Like, that's not, that's not so universal. But, like, this idea of just getting beaten down and having to fucking, you get that eight count. And you get back up and you're like, fuck, no, I'm not taking this. And you just stand up and start swinging again. We've all been there. So that's what I try to zero in There was also on. a message of accountability in that that was just kind of cool to see is you cut in the middle of him running a marathon. He cuts to the day before and he goes, all right, here's my target time. I could have hit that target time, but I didn't train hard enough. So I'm probably going to be, and then he has like a graph with like a kind of shitty time for him. He's like, I'm probably going to be somewhere closer to here and it's my fucking fault. And then he cuts back to the race and it's him immediately being like, God damn it, dude, I need to walk this mile. And it's just like a cool like... I don't know. I thought it was a really cool way of telling the story of also holding yourself accountable. Yeah, like all those, to me, those are like devices. Those are yeah. devices to communicate those universal subjects. I mean, like the, the day you and I went surfing, that like no one surfs, no one surfs. You know what I mean? Like there's not that many people that surf. And then there's like, no one lives in New York City. No one even knows there's surf. So what's interesting about that? The only thing that's compelling about that video is the chemistry mm. between you, me, Dean, like mm. the, the group in the car. Yeah. Like it was just fucking fun. Yeah. Dean, like this stick up guy is like kind of stiff. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we're not, none of us are good surfers. We're just out there getting our yeah. fucking, trying not to drown. Yeah. The surf footage wasn't even that good. Yeah. But it was like getting to see three fucking dope, dopes. I don't mean dope isn't cool. Like yeah. fucking idiots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we're grown ass men going to have a fun time playing yeah. in the water. Look at us go. We're taking yeah. it seriously. That is like, that's. 
I get that. You had a, you had a good observation uh, when you were putting the movie together. You're like, they don't really care about the surfing. I go, what do you mean? He goes, watching the greatest surfers in the world is boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about us doing it. No, it's the story around it. Yeah, it's that it's that chemistry. It's yeah. that fun. It's why like. Nobody cares about me going to get a smoothie. But that was like, that happened in probably 200 of my 800 vlogs. I like do that every morning. But it's like seeing that that's my thing every day. Seeing that I get to have a little relationship with the girls that make it and the owner of the place. And like, they eventually put my fucking face up on the wall of Juice Press, which my friend then sold. My face is still up. All I got for that was a fucking hot sauce. <laughs> Then you gotta you know collect, bro. Equity Fuck. I love your video with the uh, the drone and like the oh, mission so of good. you having oh, to get yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that's that. like one of my favorite videos I've ever I made. I love that. That's because it, it was just stupid. It was the most inconsequential nothingness. But like we've all been obsessed yeah. about something that is meaningless to everyone else. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Mm-hmm. But if you care and you can communicate that, that's exciting. Yeah. Like, that's fun. That's fucking great. And, like, for me, New York City is that everywhere I go. Like, one of my favorite videos I've made this year is about, um, I think it's called, like, New York City Insanity. It has some generic title like that. It's just me hanging around in the city doing nothing. And, like, I linked up with that kid who takes the city bikes off of jumps and stuff. Oh, yeah, City Bike Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a G, yeah, by the way. And, but, like, other shit happens. And my favorite scene in that is when he's trying to jump a garbage can. And this woman, you know, the city does this thing where they give people who don't have access to jobs, they give them jobs changing garbage bags and things like that. One of those nonprofits, this woman comes over, she's this old lady, and the garbage can's in the middle of the fucking street with a jump in front of it. And she goes up to it and she starts changing the bag. And I'm like, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. I was like, I was like, no, 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 we're just, we're filling. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, if you could just take a step back. She's like, all right. She steps back and he fucking launches the bike. She's like, oh! Get him to do it again! Get him! Get him! Get him to do it again! And like, it wasn't mad because she was because she's trying to do her job. Yeah. She wasn't pissed off because she's like got a tough, tough. She had dealt a tough hand. Yeah. And we're goofing off. She was just psyched. Yeah. She was fuck. And I was like, that's the movie. Like that energy is the movie. Like at the end of that video, there's a thing where he's in the East Village and he's jumping the bike and he's like going up the wall and smashing off of the bars of someone's fucking bedroom window <laughs> and come through a wall ride. And he does that. And all of a sudden the window comes flying open and the girl goes, what the fuck was that? And he does it again. She goes, this is awesome. She comes out to watch it. <laughs> and it's just like, my God. Like I'm editing that video and I'm like fucking applauding the whole time. And he's like, I want to do a bigger jump. And I was like, what do you need? He's like, I need wood. And I was like, where do we get wood? And he's like, maybe a scaffolding. We find guys putting up a scaffolding. And I was like, can we borrow? But you're like, they're like, you're the YouTuber. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, I was like, can I borrow something? We'll set it up for you. Fucking construction workers hired to put up scaffolding. They're in the middle of 4th Street building ramps for us. We broke one. They were psyched. (laughs) Like that thing, like that for me is like, when I say a story punches me in the face, it's like that woman trying to change a garbage bag. I see that and I'm like, the world needs to know about you. You're the Spike Lee of YouTube, bro. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the, that. The love that you get uh, in New uh, York, bro. It's fucking just yeah. the like this city. It is my muse on a level that's like like I fall asleep thinking about this. Like the apartment we live in right now, 
All I remember about it when we went and looked at the apartment was the view. Yeah. And I remember we moved in and I was like, Candace, this place is really nice. And she's like, you looked at it three times. And all I did when we looked, looked the apartment, the window. straight to the window, yeah. like facing the glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, honey, 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 come to this window. If you yeah. push your face against the glass like that, deep breath, close your left eye, you can see the Empire State Building. <laughs> like that, no joke. Are you ever a victim of your own success in the city? Because so much of the beauty of your movies is the authenticity. But when people are around you, because you're so successful, so famous now, it might be difficult to be authentic. I mean, New Yorkers are so, like, there's this video going around today of, um, what's his name? With the... His dick? Yeah. Big dick? Mm. Come on, the comedian. Uh, sorry. Pete oh, Pete. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. he was at the Knicks game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, like, kind of flips out and, like, hits some but guy. But that dude was a pain in the ass to but, him. No, he was harassing what, that's him what I'm saying. yeah. That happens so seldom. Yeah. In this city, most no, people. New Yorkers are good about that. The kind reason of why you know it's a New Yorker, you know it's a tourist. A tourist comes running up, it's like, "Can I get a selfie?" Yeah. Joshua, come here. He yeah. said it's fine. Joshua, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Joshua, and like that's a tourist. A New Yorker goes. New Yorkers like, yo, yo, I fuck with your content. Yeah. <laughs> and then they take off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They want nothing yeah. from you. Yeah. And yeah. like, I love that. Yeah. I was uh, watching a pod you did right before you moved back here. And you said, the second time I do New York, I know how to do it and not be so, I think it was like consumed by the work. Have you been able to do New York in a, in a quote unquote better way the second time? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm better at doing New York. I'm not as good at working and I'm struggling. I struggle with that. What do you mean? I mean, like for me, it's like, it's like if you're a ditch digger, I've been a ditch digger. If you're a ditch digger, you start digging a ditch, you throw the shovel down, go get lunch, go to sleep, go to fucking Hawaii, come back a week later, ditch is right where you left it. Pick the shovel up, you go back. Mm. But for me, making videos is more like Sisyphus pushing that fucking stone up the hill where it's like the minute I stop pushing, it rolls down my back at the bottom. Mm. If I go away and come back, I'm at the bottom of the hill. And every time it's like starting from, it's very hard to find that momentum. So if it's every day I got to post a video, I can ride that wave. Like till I'm fucking dead, I will mm. ride that wave. You can't just pop in every few weeks and make something. And that no. was the strain the first time, right? That's why you had yeah. to leave New York. Yeah. It's kind of a compulsivity that is like, um, can be sublimated. It can be harnessed in a really positive way. But turning it on and off is so fucking hard for me. So what do you do? Well, luckily, like, I don't have, um, I'm very fortunate not to have the financial burden. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yes, Suggestion. Sir. Do you just work on longer projects? So no. you always have something to work on. Can't do long projects either. Really? Don't have the attention span. Interesting. None. Interesting. And I don't like it. I like to make, I like to, I like, the, the instant gratification of YouTube, that's not just making a video in a day or two or in a week. Yeah. But then releasing it to an audience and then within seconds. Yeah. Feeling that. Knowing that people are viewing it and yeah. they get to see them talking about it. That's like, why stand-ups like stand-up. You tell the joke immediately. Yeah. And like exactly. the, that feeling that gives me, I've worked on long projects. I've made shows that take a year plus. I've made movies that take years and years and years. Like, no, I, this is what I love. But that on and off switch, I underestimated how challenging it would yeah, be. Tough. And it's what like we were talking about earlier. Like I have these things that I want to do, but it requires me hiring people. Yeah. If I have somebody working for immediately, my focus is on management, getting the most out of our professional relation. And like, yeah, I'm not making movies. Yeah. So like sitting in my office alone, it's why I don't do meetings, why I don't do phone calls. It's why I've been blowing you off to do this podcast for how many months now? <laughs> like, it just means I know. It's right. not like, well, I'll get something done in the morning, take a quick break, come back to it. It's like, no, yeah. the day's gone. Most likely the week's gone. Yeah. And so finding that balance has been challenging, but I think like I'm getting 
I'm getting much better. Yeah, because if the options are I do a vlog every day, it puts a strain on my marriage, or I don't really know how to work. It's a it's an important balance to find, I would assume, because clearly it's, it's yeah, it's it's existential. Yeah. I'm also just so good at fucking off because I can be <laughs> so busy and do nothing. Mm. Like, you, yeah. like I made a plywood computer. It took me three weeks. There's no ROI on that. <laughs> There's nothing. I just was like my laptop and then I've got a monitor and my hard drive and then there's my mouse. I'm like, it's like my whole table has all this shit on it. Mm. I was like, what I want is like a unit that's self-contained. I start drawing it up and I was like, I'll just done by dinner. Three weeks later. <laughs> just like that. It's amazing. You should see my plywood computer. It's got a fucking handle on it, like a boom box. Yeah. Three weeks. This you is know? in LA or this is here? This is my office. Oh, wow. I wanted to build a... a Tree fort for my kids in my office. This is what you blew off the fucking podcast for? <laughs> yeah. The little arts and crafts yeah, project? Arts and, you should see the tree fort I built for the girls. It's unbelievable. They've got a patio. I can't wait. They've got carpet. <laughs> They've got TV up there. Yeah. They've got a system like fucking Swiss Family Robinson's where they can pull up their food uh, on yeah, pulleys. Yeah, but... The kids come to my office. they got a place to chill now. Yeah. No return on that investment. That was yeah. months. Well, that's yeah. kids' happiness. Yeah. A plywood computer is for yeah, no that's one. Big that's, my ha- that's my happiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, like sometimes, like I have a TV in my office. You can just click play on anything. And it's just you just go to hbomax.com. Mm. <laughs> you know how many movies are on there? It's a lot of no one's Sick telling me not to. Yeah. Is your TV show on there? Damn, yo, Damn, that's dude. fucked that's up. Rough. That didn't even cost them anything to put it up. I know. Yeah. Well, technically, they lost their um, the window was like five years, oh. so I got it back. So I could do something. Oh, with oh it. shit! I just don't have to relicense all those songs. Hey. Hey. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. Van's done some stuff with it. He did. Yeah, he put out, he's put out like segments of it that were really intimate to him and yeah. he's contextualized them and things like that. Yeah. I always think about revisiting it, but like, like I was telling the story about the rocket ship and my wife and like how that fucks me up. Yeah. If I start watching videos from 2007, like I will lose myself. Really? Oh, yeah. Why? Why? I don't know, the same way that like I have photo albums in my office from like back in the day. I use a point and shoot instead of like for iPhones and stuff. And if I start looking at those pictures, day's gone. Mm. Yeah. Get lost in it. Mm. Interesting. Like, I love, like, nostalgia is my favorite emotion. Yeah. So, if I can, like, Best app on the iPhone is the photo app. (laughs) If I can conjure um, nostalgia, I'll I'll just, like, a warm hot tub just fucking eat. I love it. If (laughs) I can make myself cry, make myself smile. It's like if I need to pull up a video, like, I have every shot that I've ever taken back to, like, 2012. I can pull it up within minutes. It's so perfectly cut, like Dewey Decimal System across the board. You have all the raw footage. Everything. Never never deleted a clip. And Uh, when I need to do that, like, it's, I, it takes me five minutes to find the clip and then eight or nine hours of watching old video clips. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, if I start watching the HBO show, I'm going to lose. Like, Van keeps telling me to watch the Respectability Tour. He's like, it's so good. And I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. I remember broad strokes, but, like, I don't remember the specifics of it. I'm curious. Yeah. What's the story behind the glasses? Well, I started, I mean, there's a number of answers, but... The most honest one is just like one time somebody asked Jack Nicholson, like, why do you wear sunglasses indoors? And Jack Nicholson's like, without my sunglasses, I'm just another fat old guy. And with my sunglasses, I'm Jack Nicholson. (laughs) So me without my sunglasses, I'm just like a funny looking guy. And with my sunglasses, I'm Jack Nicholson. (laughs) (laughs) So you're trying to be Jack Nicholson, really, just at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah, but the reason why it started was because um, 
like, and I made a video about this, but like, if you look at your cameras there, if you flip around the screen so it faces you, yeah. like, all, it's one of my least favorite things about when YouTubers do, they're talking to camera, but their line of sight is off. Yeah. And it's just like, it means they're watching themselves. And it's like, you fucking vain yeah. monster. Yeah. You're pretending to talk to me. I know you're looking at yourself, yeah. fixing your fucking hair. So I can keep my face to camera, but my eyes are over here. Hmm. So I did it for like a really practical <laughs> reason. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hide your vanity. Yeah. yeah. And then it just, or just to make me seem more authentic. You yeah. know, like I'm actually checking my framing at all times, mm. but it looks like I'm looking in the lens. But then it just kind of became part of it. And then I just owned it. And then if you really want to go deep, what my therapist said before I fired her was, <laughs> was the glasses are a way of like never having to like really put my real self out there. Mm. It's like a way of always keeping like a layer between me and the world. Which is healthy, really. I think so. I think it's beautiful, but that sounds way too like intellectualized Isn't for me to Isn't that kind of the point like, of your, your documentary that you made though? Is like this thing can swallow you up and there needs to be some, you need to be somewhat grounded in this world of I think so. vlogging and all yeah, that. Yeah, so these sunglasses provide me with that. Yeah. Huh. Good job firing her. I think that we've realized she's a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Lady, I don't pay piece. you to tell me the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just make me feel good. Yeah, Just make me on feel you and good. Leave. <laughs> Give me those scripts and let me leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, People have been good to you. Yeah. All the stories you've told me so far, barring one, and that's some stuff with family at home, are about people that let you live with them, people you moved in on, people were there for you in a situation where you were in need and they've constantly looked out for you. People you observe in the city, you find these amazing characters and people doing the most mundane things like changing a garbage can. It's quite interesting that you come from a situation that's quite tumultuous, your parents, you could have a lot of resentment for what you saw, yet you find so much love and appreciation in humanity. Like it seems like everything that you've curated is, look how awesome these people I get to interact with on a daily basis are. What do you think about us as a species, as human beings? Most people are awesome. Yeah. Like I think most people are just fucking great. Almost everyone, like you travel around the world, like yeah. everyone's fucking great. I get like a little bit of fame. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah, they get really nice. Like I know you asked a sincere question, but like the one thing about, fame is a lot of bad sides, but the one thing about fame is I get to understand what it must be like to be a really fucking beautiful woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you spend time with a beautiful woman and I don't mean like a normal woman. I mean like, like a supermodel. Yeah. Like I'm, Friends, I know some. And like everyone stares. You show up at a restaurant, it's like, of course we have a table for it. Like whatever you need. The fucking sea parts yeah. when you're that beautiful of a woman. I, I have to give you pushback here. People respect you. <laughs> I was not taking this to a place of it's my looks that grant me the privilege. No, my point is the way that they're treating those supermodels has nothing to do with them respecting their brains, respecting their creativity. Well, I appreciate that. Nothing. The, the reason why you're getting that love, like if I was one of those supermodels, I would fucking hate it. I'd resent all of them. I'd be like, you just think I'm a hole. Everybody wants to just fuck me. Whereas they like what you do and what you create and the way that you make them feel. Mm. That's why you're getting that kindness. That's why you're getting that warmth. They're 
giving it back to you. You've made them feel that way. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I was gonna just fucking put an asterisk at the end of the supermodel thing, which is like, I understand there's a lot of negativity to that. Like, yeah. I think Brooke Shields, maybe some famous, beautiful, who's now old, wrote a whole book. It was just reading the synopsis in the New York Times about how hard it was to be young and beautiful because that's all you're ever judged for. Yeah, well, she was also, this, also a kid. This is yeah. an experience well, I know yeah, nothing about. That was, yeah. yeah. No, you're a hot I have guy. never Come had on, to dude. worry about being judged for my beauty. <laughs> but like, no, and that what you're describing is real. And like, like my fucking, the guy in my garage who parks my car, like he knows my videos. Yeah. Like yesterday we're in New Jersey bringing my kids back from a water park and like we pull up to get gas and like the window goes down and I was like, hey, can you fill it up with regular please, sir? And he's like, yeah, YouTube. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and he was like, sight. And like, I no, I love that. You get the best version of people. Norm MacDonald had a great uh, you know, observation about it. He's like, my life has been so incredible because the people have been excited to meet me constantly throughout my life. And I get the best version of them. They're happy. Yeah. They're smiling. Like most people go through their day and they're kind of frustrated, maybe angry. They're disappointed at things they had to go through. But when they meet me, they smile. So for me to complain about fame would be fucking ridiculous. And I loved that take because it's so easy for like celebs to get caught up in this. Oh, someone asked me for a picture when I didn't want to take one. It's just like, that is the focus. Not the fact that you get joy from every human being that you meet. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I probably take depending on how much I'm outside. You know, I take a lot of selfies. Always yeah. happy to, and like I can think of one. I've said no. I say no when I'm with my kids. I say no. Yeah, mm. so it means taking my eyes off of my children. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. the idea that something could happen in that yeah. moment. Yeah. But like, I, there's only been one time where like it's I, where there's been like an incident because yeah. I've said no. What happened? We were at Ikea and Franny was a, like a little newborn baby. She was like two months old. And she was yeah, hysterically kids crying. Yeah. And there was like this grown man. He wasn't a child, grown man. And yeah. he was like harassing me for a picture. I was like, I'm really sorry, sir. I'm with the kid. And he's like, I'm with my baby. And the baby's screaming. And like you're red in the face. The wife's freaking out. And it's like all this. And he just was so persistent. And he was like, I just want a picture. And he was like, and then he got like a little bit of, and like Candace started freaking out at him and he got aggressive about that. And there's a baby. And it was just like, that moment was really, like I remember that moment. Mm. But, but that's that, once. Yeah. yeah. Like five selfies today, that was once. Like it's a, <laughs> I've only said no to a picture one time. And It'll change when you have kids. I, oh, I, I, the kid thing is completely yeah. different. But it was just someone who, who said, uh, they, they said, uh, they're like, yo. And I was like, what's up, man? And then they went, Yo, come here. They were like sitting down and I was walking. And I was like, that's not how this yeah, is goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was something about the person didn't even know my name. And I'm walking You're down the street. Guy. Yeah, yep. Yo, get over here while I'm still, I have my pasta in my hand. And I was like, yeah, that's not. You know who's the best at that uh, is Logan Paul. Really? It's, he delivers his nose, yeah. which are much more like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. With such like grace and charm, yeah. But it's unbelievable. Like I was with him in in like we're at the beach, yeah. And this mom comes over and she's like, "I want you to take a picture with my kids." Yeah. And the way he shut her down was unbelievable. Where I promise you, she left being like, "He was hysterical." Let me tell you the story. Oh really? And, but it was so well done, and he is so crass about it. Given his fans are all like. It's a much younger, much more yeah. male demo. Like mine, mine are all like adults. Yeah. And it's harder with adults because there is a level of respect and like appreciation. These are just fucking kids. Yeah. 
But like he is so good and so funny about that. Yeah. Hmm. It is like a, it is a trait to be admired. Do you remember what he told the lady? No, but I remember when he went away and then the kids came back and they're like, you're just talking to my mom. He's like, kid, how old's your mom? And like mm-hmm. that shut the kids up really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. really good. You know what I mean? Like he's like good. He's just good about that stuff. Oh, that's funny. The guy's charming, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, taking the, I don't know. It just seems like such a little thing. I, n- I literally never say no. I just feel like it's the tiniest. It's just, you stop. When people touch me, it's hard. Don't, like when somebody puts their arm that's, around you. That's a little bit, yeah. People grab, touch you by the side. It makes me uh, very yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Pull you in. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what what it is. It's just oh, like yeah. you're a hot supermodel. Yeah. When, <laughs> you're a hot like you when you can smell feel. someone's breath. It's oh, you have like a proximity thing. Dude, nothing is I never thought I did. Than like when I'm like arguing with my wife and somebody comes up and asks for a picture. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'd be more than happy to, <laughs> to let her know how lucky she is right now. <laughs> Do you see that? Take another. And then I make my wife take it. She's not busy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I do. I do have a technique yeah. that I would encourage you to embrace. Yeah, yeah. I estimate that I've reclaimed years worth of my life. You take the picture, always, always. And I, I do the same thing. I tear the phone out of their hand yep. with like a fucking Forty Second Street <laughs> fucking pickpocketer's level of yep. precision with aggression. Yep. Let's go. I mean, Boom. violence, I pull it out of there. And most people, like, especially when they're like from the Midwest, they're here on vacation. Oh, how do I get they're my They're not thing. used to having their phone. Yeah. I can open any phone. <laughs> <laughs> Android, flip phone, iPhone, any jet, I can get it to selfie faster than you can. Yeah. Because the worst thing in the world is a stranger, they take out their phone, they get their face next to yours, yeah. and they're waiting for something. Oh, yeah. And, and you're the like- The handshaking, they're like, nervous. What the fuck are you waiting for right now? <laughs> Wait, I can, what are they I waiting for? I can taste your breath. <laughs> they're waiting for like the- right frame or for both of you to, they don't take selfies. What kind of a sociopath normally takes selfies? <laughs> All women? <laughs> At Coachella. But <laughs> if you do it, yeah, it's just like, I can be in and out in a second. I don't give a shit if you have a bad picture. Yeah. I know I look good, Nick, I know exactly. I know my <laughs> angle. <laughs> I know my That's angle. That's why you really do it. <laughs> you get the arm far away. Never low down, never close. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. Out of and usually their mouth is open, asking me mid-question. <laughs> Gone. Back in their hand, and I'm out. The other thing, too, is when someone comes up and they're like, it's such like, I've always wanted to meet you, and I just, it's like, brother, I appreciate you, but I know you're here for the picture. <laughs> oh, Do you know what I mean? Sometimes they're not. Not like in my, seldom, sometimes. Yeah. But I'm, we're talking like minuscule percentage points here. Yeah. Most of the time, it's just what they want. Yeah. And I understand, it's like, I think it's very respectful. They wanna sh- be respectful and have a conversation, not make it a transaction. Yeah. But I want to get back to one. You want the transaction? Yeah, just because yeah. I'm, I'm it's efficiency. Yeah, yeah I'm usually I'm in the middle of something. Yes. So, and it's it's no big deal. I'm not trying to be insulting or anything like that. I respect them the same way. But it's just like I'll be like, you want a picture? And they're like, oh, I'd love one. I didn't know if I should. And it's like, yeah. So it's like if I can take that burden away from the awkwardness of That's this. That's cool. That's very cool of you. Yeah, you just say it. Because you can tell they're a little shy. To I remember say. I was at the airport with my wife, and there was a she takes those Peloton classes. There was an instructor that she like loves, mm. and then I was like, "Say something to her." And then my wife was like, "Hey, hi," and she's like kind of nervous. And the girl just goes, "Hi," which I get. That was a little awkward. And then my <laughs> wife was like, "I just want to let you know I really love taking your classes, and I just um, it's really nice to meet you." And then the girl goes, "Okay," and then I was like, "Yo." 
You're a, f- I mean, like, I've seen this guy. I get recognized sometimes. I've seen this guy get recognized thousands of times. Always humility, magnanimity, or however you say it. Same with you. And then when someone does that, you look at them forever, and you're just like, yo, you suck. Yeah, how's yep. that Peloton stock doing now? Bang. There you go. Bankrupt. There you go. It goes like this. Those moments for those people, for someone who takes all that guts to go up and ask for yeah. they're yeah. going to remember that for the rest Huge. of your life. So even though you're going to forget about it in a second, with respect, like it's, you know, you do it a lot and it's, they're a stranger to you, but you're not a stranger to them. Yeah. So no, I would say, yeah, with very few, and even when I'm with my kids, I don't say no. I say not when I'm with my children. Yeah. yeah. And if someone doesn't understand that, then they can just go fuck themselves yeah. and I don't care. But at least in that moment, they're like, no, he was with his kids. Did you get a selfie? No, he's with his kids. Uh, you know? And have your personal. kids ever been like, why do you take not the pictures ever, when they're hot? <laughs> oh, okay. Do they say that? Like, I thought you don't take no. pictures, Daddy. But then when they're yeah, hot, they have huge me. fat tits. Like, I, like all of a sudden, do, it's, you have time to I do, do that. I do find myself. <laughs> you know? I do find myself almost always being nicer to girls than to men because I. Men you're can, so unique dude, in that way. Men that are weird. So unique, you're so bro. weird. Casey. The, the men are more We're threatening. They're that. fucking yeah. threatening. Oh, it's like a threat. A no. grown it is, man it is, is yeah. a threatening yeah. versus like a lovely yeah. young woman. A girl's woman. horrible breath. You're like, is that Brie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you have blue cheese for lunch? Wow. <laughs> no, my kids, my older daughter. Not only does she recognize it, but she has since figured out who I am on YouTube. Oh, so she's watching. Yes, she loves. Like she's oh, watches awesome. all the old videos to that's break down awesome. and understand her. Early. I don't know that it's awesome. Call me in like ten years oh. and I will <laughs> let you know. Yeah. But like she's figured it out, and then also like our kids aren't allowed to have social media. We never post their picture. We get mad at my mother-in-law and she posts my kids on Facebook. Mm. Like it's just because we want them to have a fighting chance, man. Right, yeah. We're just fucking trying here. Yeah. And my little daughter, like, when someone asks for a selfie, she wants to be in it. Oh. Because she wants to be a part of it. So it's like literally there are so many pictures of the top of her head jumping up to try to be able to just her little blonde hair comes in. Because mm. I'm like, they're like, can I have a selfie? And I'll be like, ah, uh, not when I'm, and if it's a kid, it's so, it's a grown man, like not when I'm with, when yeah. it's like an eight-year-old, it's like, it's and I'm with Franny and she's like, you can have a picture. You can have a picture uh, with my dad. Yeah. And it's like, all right, come here. And then the kid comes over and like a squat down to picture and Franny like sticks her face in it and I have to like push her head, like <laughs> move her, like put my hand in front of her face and take the picture. Yeah. But it's like for her, it's it's become normal. Yeah, and it's I don't, exciting. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to manifest in adulthood for mm. her. But we try really hard Did to protect them from Did she ask you questions her. about the old yeah. movies? And like, oh, what about when you and mom were doing Non-stop. this? And, and is, she can quote them. Did she ask you difficult questions that you can't really answer? <sighs> Sometimes she's not allowed to watch my videos in front of me, and my wife enforces that too. It's just too much, man. It's just fucking. Does weird. your wife ever yeah. show her videos and be like, "See, he's no. a dick"? Like, <laughs> you don't know he's a dick because you didn't watch his video. But yeah, look yeah. what he. Fucking no, she did doesn't. There. She doesn't need to. Yeah, she just. Yeah. she doesn't. My wife has plenty. We of had children, and he was trying to get into bike accidents. Do you think that that's <laughs> good? My God. wife has unlimited material beyond the videos for that, but no. It's just strange, and my wife recognizes the strangeness of yeah. it. So no, like we, she still watches the videos, and will like pick out details, and like especially when she, when she was a little baby, she was in the videos, and when she started, like babies all look the same when they're babies, and when she yeah. started to look a little bit more distinct, like nine months. You want to maintain the anonymity yeah. as much as we can. Um, I think this is your fault. My wife loves these ASMR videos, and I think they're so popular because they all kind of steal your style of editing, which is like. <laughs> Open the door, put the toothbrush in the door, close the door, shot, shot, shot. You're cooking. Here's the onion, chop the onion, put the onion on the thing. 
I, I watched your videos and I was like, this motherfucker is the reason these ASMR videos are successful and they're ruining my marriage. There's something like- um, Maybe she just wants you to whisper. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should chill the fuck out. Loud. Lower your voice. Like, chill out. <laughs> there is something, um, there is something very like calming about watching process-based videos. Dude, I can't, I go nuts. You don't have the attention span for I it? I don't. It's something that my skin is crawling as it's happening. I'm like, yo, get to something, please. Isn't ASMR when they're like, Fucking chewing on TikToks with the microphone. Yeah. I think that's yeah. oh, that's the, but there's uh, yeah, like there's ones where they're like yeah. cooking and you like hear everything very you hear vividly. The crackling like, of the onions yeah. and the oil. Yeah, yeah. there's like a camp, a guy who goes camping. I love that and dude. I watch those videos the all the time. Primitive technology. No, there's no, 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 no talking. Not that guy? No, no. There's He's just setting up his shit. It's the best. It's I have a best. few of those guys that I watch. Me too. And they're just 20 phenomenal. minute videos, setting it up. And he's like, opens up his little folding stove and yep. he's like making uh, rice. Uh, not a word is not said. Not a single fucking peep. And I'm upset that <sighs> I can't, I can't remember the name of yeah, the guy right now because I want to give him a shot. Shout out what? Men with the pot. It's the no, no. Meat. There's another guy who cooks out in nature. Have you seen this guy with like the kind of no, blade no, no. knife? It's like a square, almost kind of butcher blade knife. One, I, oh, those are cooler than this, this guy. Is. The guy that I watch, because he has the same car as me. Like you tell you, like probably like Land Rover Defender camping AMSR Ace SMR R yeah, and like it's just the process and it's, it's so calming, so nice. Your fucking heart rate slows down. Uh, fuck, I don't know, man. No, that's not it. Oh god, make it stop. <laughs> Camp camping AMS A. Uh, in any event, he's great. He's There's great. a guy that also creates, uh, it's not just camping. Like he doesn't put up the tents and stuff. He like creates structures to sleep in. So he'll do it in a cave. He'll do it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It is oh, fucking is it phenomenal. Uh, maybe. What's it called? Maybe. Let me see. This is the same genre, but I don't think it's this guy. So this is go four, go four by four. He's got a Jeep. He drives a Jeep. Yeah, but this is the same vibe. Yeah. This is like, I fucking... The whole point's the volume. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. My bad. Oh my God. <laughs> you get so irritated. <laughs> this is why I can't work with anybody else. Me, dude. No, no, this guy's got music. Yeah, this fucking music's wrecking this. <laughs> it's wrecking. No, no, no. It's you'd have more. Oh, wait, no, the music's gone. This. I'll watch this for days. I'm already. Dude, I can't. You know what I mean? Like, I'm there with him, maybe. Do you like camping? I mean, I've never been camping, but I imagine camping. I Yo, like camping. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, I, may, I drove across country and slept in my truck the whole way. It's no, close that's to not come, camping, bro. But I've never done this, but like... This is camping. I'll watch this for like an hour, Do you man. watch the winter stuff? Sometimes I'll watch the winter... Okay, there's this one channel. Go. Go. It's like these two girls. They know exactly what they're doing with how they dress. <laughs> but they do this. You know what I mean? There's no Fine. accidents in how they're dressed yeah. or the random thumbnails they of pick. Of course, of course. But it's that plus very attractive yeah. young women instead You're of You're going like down the guy. rabbit hole. You're about to be in like the van life videos with the girls. Have you watched those yet? That's Bang crazy. Bus? I just did. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> next it's a very slippery slope. But no, I've been deleting my Instagram. The I followed way too many like attractive women. Yeah. <laughs> Camping. Yeah. It's just a combination of things that I yeah. find compelling. Yes. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. You want to watch a man camp or you want to watch a woman camp? Well, it's just to find, find a very healthier process to just simply watch men camp. Yes. My focus is on the camping yeah. right where it should be. Yes. 
So all the people that want the daily vlogs back, it's the girls camping. That's that's yeah, what that's, that's stopping keeping them out. Yeah, that's that's why yeah. Instagram. Yes, it's just I am highly susceptible to distractions. Would you ever do that again? The daily vlog. I don't know. I don't know that I'm capable of it, but I do fan. What are you doing? I'm just Close looking your at some stuff. Jesus dude. Christ! <laughs> what? Look at this. I was just looking. Yeah. Put that away. There's no way this is even. Oh, I can. I can this get... is camping. Come so, on, Casey. Uh, yeah, this I can is get like distracted. thanks YouTube algorithm. I just wanted to watch a guy set up his Jeep. I can get distracted by this. Oh wow, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So in any event, <laughs> oh look at that split. So in any event, <laughs> oh god, slippery slope. And um, I'll tell you what I, else is slippery. Hey, yes. oh, dude, this is a video. And the this, cup, with the this mug, podcast the location, has the just mug. fucking descended. I just want to sip out of that. Now there's five dudes <laughs> just watching women <laughs> camp. She does yoga. Let's oh, go, dude. Camping is, is awesome. Dude. Did you think for a second she it. wasn't going to do <laughs> yoga? <laughs> I was on the fence. Did that even cross your mind that she might not? Oh, my goodness. That's how you sit down. Can wow. You, can you please close the solo, Teddy? See how distracted? Oh. Whoa, that frame. That's the thumbnail. That is okay. just. That is the thumbnail. What is her name? What yes. is, I don't know. I think it's Solo oh. Teddy. Slow, solo Teddy. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. That's well, listen, Casey, um, <laughs> do you have any other great, YouTube great. suggestions before we get out of here? Great talk. Is there anything yeah. else great that talk. you really well, enjoy? You yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, feet pics. Do you have any good sports? Should we check out Wiki Feet? No, but that's my wife's biggest threat. What is that? Whenever there's like a fight about money or something, she's like, "I'll just start selling pictures of my feet." And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Does she got some nice stompers? She got great feet. I mean, I <laughs> thank the Lord every a man day. Of class, dude. I thank the Lord every day that I was not blessed or cursed with whatever an attraction to feet. Is, what are you uh, talking yes. about? Oh, Thank oh, you, never Casey. mind. Thank no, no, no. Nice. What are you talking about? I know, I don't. Stand on, stand on. one of these weirdos. What are you talking about? You like feet. Your wife got nice feet. That's not a coincidence. No, no. See, my feet look like if Fred Flintstone like fell into a fucking blender. Yes. Like my feet. <laughs> yes. I, my feet are just, Same. they're just, I'm not allowed to take sure. socks off in the house. We're not talking about our feet. But like my wife has very, you know, she's, she's, my wife is a very beautiful woman and, but feet, I just. They're just feet. You're taking them for granted. That's what you are. And if Here's you're not the, into feet, you shouldn't take good feet from guys who like feet. Here's the thing. There are so he many. Likes feet. Thank if you. we're talking about. We got about, a real fucking Tarantino over here. If dude. you're talking about beauty, like there are so many aspects of a, the female form that is yeah. just. Yes. And, and foot we're is, not like foot is like 10. denying those. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not denying those I mean, things are also is, true. Is it even on the list? I don't know if it has. Yeah. Is it even on the list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? Is it even on the this list? This is bad guy. Do you it's eat like, one type it's of like steak? King of New York. It's That's like, what I'm talking <laughs> about right it's like, He you know, likes feet. His wife got the feet. He said it's not on the he list. It's not even you on the list. I'm saying that. He's saying that so his wife don't sell foot She's got nice knees. He's trying to convince her there's no market What do you want? Like She's just a very well-proportioned, beautiful female form. Yes. But like... There's a lot about her that's stunningly what beautiful. What supports that form, though? You yeah. know what I mean? What is it all standing on? Yeah. Good feet. feet. She'd be wobbling around like an asshole. She's, <laughs> she's, no, she's got, got a nice, sturdy she's foot. Got excellent balance, but a feet thing is just, I just... Don't get it. Detailed. You don't understand don't. it. That's fine. Clearly. Listen. <laughs> you're, it's not all of us get art. Look, you know what I mean? Look, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> this has been fantastic, you guys. You can get out of here. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, he's really out too. Oh, Later, call you. Later, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys, Casey, nice to have you. Give it up for Casey.